Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 223. I am Peter, and joining me is Connor. Yeah, straight to me this time. Well, Matt, Matt will be missing for a little bit, um, so I, I can't do my joke every every time with, uh, oh, Matt's not here, oh, this is upsetting. Just uh, retiring it from the start already, yeah. just, yeah. I'll, I'll get to why that is in a second, but I'll introduce the show first properly. Uh, it's a DC Comics podcast, we talk about DC Comics every week, and coming up on this week's show, we do have, of course, the January solicits and all the future state nonsense to talk about. Um, I say nonsense because it seems overly complicated for what should be a fairly simple two-month thing. Uh, so we'll get into that in a bit, but we also have, of course, books to talk about. We'll be talking about Dark Knight's Death Metal Issue 4, Wonder Woman 764, Superman 26, The Flash 763, Hawkman 28, Batman and the Outsiders 17, Rorschach number 1, and Strange Adventures Issue 6. So that's what's coming up on this week's show. Should be a relatively meaty one, given all those books and the hefty solicits to get into. It, so. it might have been okay without... This future state you know, nonsense is a good word, I think, uh, and not that it's inherently bad. Just there's a lot of what it is. Ah, far from I that I'm actually rather optimistic about the content itself. It's just uh, not the clearest batch of solicits I've ever read. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll get into all that in a minute. Yes, and we will address why Matt's not here. Uh, Matt is going to be off the show for a little bit, uh, undetermined. He's taking a little break. Uh, and I asked him, when he told me why he was taking a break, uh, I asked him, you know, what he wanted me to tell you guys, because I thought I might have to lie. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I may have to sugarcoat it and say something. Uh, basically, he's just taking a break for mental health reasons. Uh, he's having a rough time right now. Uh, so if you do wish to go to Matt of Steel 57 on Twitter and give him some love and encouragement, please do so. Uh, but he will be back in due course. Uh, so go and uh, show him some support over on the Twitters. Uh, but the show, alas, must go on. Even if that does mean going on with Connor. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you stuck with me. <sighs> okay, so, um, <laughs> <That's how laughs> by the end of this, Pete will be breaking out the booze too. I, I know. The irony is, is that Matt trying to deal with his stress is going to give me stress by leaving me alone with you. So. Um, we will get into the January solicits, and for some reason, they're not all in one article this month, because, and maybe there's some other sites that have put in one article, but we typically go to Newsarama, it's just the place we go for solicits, it's the place that typically has them. And they did this thing where they kind of did just the Future State Part 1, which was all the Bat-related books, and then they did the Future State Part 2, which was all the Superman slash Justice League, and for some reason swapped things included in Justice League, so... Really, all it is, is Superman and the rest of the DCU, because the Bat family is so goddamn big that that is half of the line. <laughs> but anyway. Pretty much, yeah. And then, so you think, okay, so they put them out early, because sometimes they'll do a few early solicits, no big deal. But when we got to Friday and the, the rest of the solicits came out, they just put out an article that had just what was left. The Black Label, the trades, uh, you know, the other little things, like Batman Adventures and, and the Odds because when this future state stuff happens in January, as, as we knew it was going to, mm -hmm. everything else is taking two months off, or, or everything else that's mainline DC is taking two months off. Oh, then that explains why it's not all solicited in one article. Uh, no, no, I meant explains why that final section, you know, you said, oh, it's just black label and stuff. Oh, sure, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing we haven't mentioned yet. I, I mean... I don't know if we ever actually talked about this possibility. I think if you'd asked me last month, 
Is this going to be something where we have no regular books for two months? I don't know what odds I'd have given you. I don't know if I'd have been 50-50 or if I'd have said, oh, it's probably going to be like Convergence. There's going to be like nothing for two months as this all goes on. Or uh, if it was going to be like, I no, there's, there's a bunch of miniseries, but most of the books will still be running. I, I can tell you right now that would have been my reaction because we knew they were cancelling books. You know, books were ending, shall we say. We knew, you know, we had teams that were like, you know, doing some fill-ins. I thought, oh, they'll... Uh, kind of like what they're doing for End uh, Endless Winter, they'll co-opt some of those books into just being the future state mini things for, you know, there'll be tie-ins or whatever. Uh, there'll be a handful of minis announced alongside it, and we'll still have the core handful of titles running. Uh, so this this does actually surprise me that they, they went this route, because it's not like Convergence, where there was a, you know, a real-world reason for it, where they were, they were moving offices. It's not like... I think because we did actually talk about this well over a year ago, the possibility of them taking a couple of months off for something after Mel. Um, and, the, and the idea was it was before 5G, and it was going to be to let, uh, you let the creators get ahead so they had like you know, lead time on all the new books. But most of the writers and artists involved with this are, are still just all the, you know, the, the regular DC stable. They're all still working on books here, so it's not like they're getting time off from anything. Yeah. Um... Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Obviously, whatever 5G was going to be is merged into, we're doing this, or, or this was always the plan before 5G, but we're doing this instead. Although I do think some of what 5G was is kind of part of this now. And it's, it's remolded and it's changed. And now we've just got new arcs. We may just have some new books next, you know, on, not next to the solicits, but the, the you know, March solicits may have a few new books. But it does say in the, their announcement page that, you know, all these books that are going right now will be coming back with the numbering staying where it is. It's not changing. and Nothing is suddenly cancelled that we didn't know was already cancelled uh, from yeah. the last select. It's, it's not like, you know, all these books are suddenly ending. It's like, no, 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 like uh, Justice League Dark, for example, will be picking back up at issue 30-odd or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, I, I do suspect a few new books. Um, if not like a direct Supergirl replacement, for example, I do expect something that's filling that void in the line if that makes sense like yeah and because you know future state as a whole we know does spin out of the ending of metal that has been confirmed by snyder himself as well i believe yeah so there's definitely going to be some universe spinning out of future state or that's the the assumption right because the the broad premise of future state is a pos a look at the possible future of the dc universe in the state of where it is after metal. So I don't know if they're going to like, you know, reset things and fix things in the way that, you know, we, we usually talk about, but I do think there will be some story reason at the end of future state. I don't know what title it's going to be. Cause that doesn't seem to be, there's no main future state book. There's no event, you know, headlining no. thing. Uh, so I don't know where it'll be, but I imagine there'll be something that gives us a reason to get back to the regular continuity. Yeah, possibly. I, if it needs it, I mean, if if it's not like we actually go to this alternate future, it's true. it's more just a relevant glimpse because of what's about to be going on in the main continuity coming after or something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but we a lot of it feels like uh, a lot of it. I mean, before we get into any of the details, it feels like market research, in the sense of okay, I think there's a lot of big changes to a lot of characters in this. I think if this had been five G and they dropped all this at once people would not have reacted well. It would have been possibly worse than, than you know, the, the New 52 reaction with you know, resetting everything. It would have just been too much at once. 
as a as a two month event, I think people can swallow that a lot easier. But I think they might use this to see which elements do people react positively to, and maybe kind of start working towards those over the next you know couple of years. Well, I've got one right for you in the Batman book that I want them to work towards. We'll talk about. Oh, that I know, I know. Um, as soon as I saw it, I, I screenshotted that and said, "Oh, Pete's having a heart attack." I do, I do, I do want to, even though I do think there'd be a reaction to it if they did like a, a lane-wide thing with all this stuff changing, it definitely would have a reaction. There would be negative components to it. I do think it would be a little different to New 52, just because New 52 was resetting things. This would be based more on, here's how things change from wherever oh, we are now. Sure. Uh, so, at least on a, person, on a personal level, I would say it inherently is far more... I guess welcoming <laughs> to me. <laughs> I get that. I think, and there is no individual part of this news that you know that I'm aware of. Maybe we'll read into the. You know, I haven't really read into all of it. Maybe we'll read into a bit, and I'll disagree. Uh, but there's no individual part that stood out to me that I hate on its own. Uh, but I do think if if this had been the quote unquote permanent status quo going forward, uh, I, I think some of it might have lost me as well. Like it would have been. Yeah, and, and I'm, you know, open to change, but it might have been too much at once, you, you know, for me to go, oh, yeah, this is a lot. Yeah, it'd be like anything. I, I think it'd be an interesting time to try to dive into it all. That said, though, the second we do read some of these things, or, I know, not, well, not some of these things, but if it was an ongoing thing from the start, the second we got to a book and a character had changed and we didn't like the book, it'd be like, oh, God, can we have the old one back, please? Can we get it back immediately? Can we get real Wonder Woman back anytime now? Thank you. Uh, that would maybe be like an issue with that. Uh, mm. As it is, this seems like a far more interesting and consequential convergence. Uh, and what I mean yeah. by that is convergence, I took one glance at and went, nope, I can just take two months off from reading comics and come back because it feels like a nothing but a filler a couple of months. This feels less filler to me and more like it has a purpose. And maybe it is just the testing the waters of seeing what they can do with some characters but it does feel like it has a bit more weight to it. Maybe it's just because there's good creators involved. Maybe it's just because I'm looking at some of these names on the main books and going, oh, hey, I actually want to read these. No, um, you, you might be onto it. And, and that's what I'm saying. You know, with, with Convergence, there was a purpose to it, but it was a very you know, real-world purpose as you know, moving offices. There, to, was, there wasn't a story reason, really. And to be fair, like, you know, some of these main writers, just to look, I'm just looking at the, 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 the Batman ones, for example. You know, Tynan is not on that list. So... There may still be an argument here that some of the regular like writers who are doing runs are still getting a little bit of time to. Could be. I assume Tynan's doing books somewhere. I, again, I haven't looked into all of the teams. I kind of just skimmed. I assumed he's on a book somewhere. And Dark Detective, which I assume is kind of the you know detective comics replacement for now, uh, for these two months. Uh, you know that's not uh, what's his face Tomasi. So, you know, it could be that they are getting a little bit of time, even if they are writing the one short story in one of the anthology books and somewhere. I feel like some of these might be setting up not necessarily to continue these stories although that's something there's a possibility i think mm -hmm. uh, but more just uh like dark detective you mentioned there is uh mariko tamaki uh with with dan mora is, is doing a story that is seemingly continuing from what their story was in uh detective uh 1027 so it kind of feels like well maybe there's going to be oh you know maybe they're being groomed to take over detective after tamasi uh, in you know in the next you know yeah, handful down, you know, handful of months down the line. It is very possible. So what I'm going to do is, is there's a sort of paragraph at the top of the section in the main announcement. I'm going to read that and then switch over to just going through the books one by one. And Connor was confused before we started about why 
there's like a four issue books that don't seem to have an issue two. He just didn't scroll far, far enough because issue two is just oh, further down the list. Why would they format it that way? Just put it, the two issues together. Because they put it in order that they're coming out, seemingly. Uh, shambles. Carter was too that, lazy that, to control F. He just didn't look for issue two, thinking... Oh, oh I, I'm sorry, I didn't control F Batman in the Batman solicits. <laughs> the book has a title. You could have control F next Batman, and it would have given you the next issue. It's not Look, rocket science. I, I'm sorry that Newsarama broke from their established format, not just in splitting it into three stupid articles instead of one, of going for these clicks, the damn games radar, uh, but also now that they're breaking from their format of keeping the issues together. This is ju just, just terrible. Okay, anyway, Bat Family Paragraph. In this future, Gotham City is controlled by the Magistrate. This villainous regime has taken control of the city and now under constant surveillance. All mass vigilantes have been outlawed, and Batman has been killed. But led by an all-new Batman, a new assembly of Gotham's guardians rise up to give hope to all those who lost it. So that's just a sort of general kind of setting here. But I'm going to go through the, the books one by one now, the issues one by one. So first up on January 5th is the next Batman issue one, and this is kind of, this is a four issue, so it's double shipping uh, for the two months, because all this is just over two months. Uh, and this, uh, this is going to make next month's solicits really boring, because next month's solicits are just going to be the other half of all these things. Maybe with some one-shots that are different to, you know, make it more exciting, but... Pretty much, uh, yeah. But, so it's worth mentioning that some of these main books, not all of them, some of them are regular size, regular price, but a lot of these main books... Uh, so this one is a $8, 64-page book, which has, uh, like, what... Three or four, like, stories? Three three stories in this one, I believe. In this one, yeah. And then, but there's, like, five stories overall, so clearly it's going to bounce around some of the, the other stories. Uh, so, yeah. in this first Batman, this next Batman book, you've got the next Batman uh, by John Ridley and Nick Derriton, which obviously is going to continue onwards, and John Ridley, of course, his Batman story's been teased for a while. Uh, you've got Outsiders, written by Brandon Thomas, with art by uh, Sumit Kumar. And then you've got Arkham Knights, written by Paul Jenkins, and art by Jackson Herbert. So, it's an yeah, um, interesting I'm not format. Familiar here. with a lot of the others there. Uh, after after the first story, I don't really know any names there. It's an interesting format here to me to uh, essentially have like, I mean, going for the page count, it's essentially three full issues of different stories. Uh, yeah, it seems to be, yeah, yeah uh, you're right. Pl playing out over four issues, so rather than having, you know, what like five like three issue miniseries, we're getting one giant four-issue miniseries instead. It's, it's, it's a interesting. I mean, if you're going to buy all of them, this would definitely be saving money. But if you weren't interested yeah. in all of them, this is making you spend more. So it's... There's, there's an argument that it's pro-consumer in one way, let you say, but also that, you know, it, it is removing that choice uh, in, in the other end. And it, it does seem like it's going to be a pretty expensive couple of months if you want to dive into mm -hmm. this properly. It is worth mentioning there are less... Assuming you were... Let's say you were buying you know, 70% of the line. If you buy 70% of the line in January and February, you are buying less books. So they are costing more, but there is less of them. Uh, yeah. Which also some, it seems to be something that DC are viewing towards a little bit as well, as bigger oversized books, but less of them. So that's the next Batman. I'm not going to read all the descriptions for all of the uh, individual stories, because we'll be here forever if I do that. Uh, next up, same day, is Future State Harley Quinn issue one. This is regular size, regular price. This is a two-issue book, so one issue January, one issue February. Simple enough. Um, yeah, also dealing with the Magistrate. So it feels like all the Gotham books are all going to be dealing with this Magistrate stuff. And I think what's interesting is uh, 
don't know if you, you didn't mention the team on that one, I don't think. Uh, oh, written sorry. by Stephanie Phillips yeah. and art by Simone DeMille. Um, what I think is interesting is the, the final line of the solicit you know, mentions, you know, written by Rising Star, and, you know, and the next era of Harley Quinn begins here. And obviously, Harley does not have an ongoing book right now. That oh, ended for sure. Seventy-five. Well, I think that's uh, that's something that we said a couple of months ago. Is I when we were looking at some of the teases that we're doing for some of these books, uh, but it was particularly more to do with the one shots that they come, got coming out in December and the start of January, because there's a couple of stuff in that first week of January that was already solicited in December. Keep in mind. Yeah. Um, I remember saying that some of these writers on some of these characters in Future State and some of those one shots may actually end up being the writers on new ongoings for those characters afterwards. They may actually be the, the seeds being planted for that. So uh, this this being the seed for the new Harley series would not surprise me. Yeah. At all. Uh, and then January 12th, Future State Dark Detective issue one. So this is kind of your de- detective comics replacement. So this is going to alternate with the, the next Batman book. And just like next Batman, it's oversized. Although it's not as big. This one's a 599 book at 48 pages. Uh, it has two stories in it. You got Dark Detective written by Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora with the art, and that is a wonderful team. I'm all for that. And you've yep. got Grifter, which is written by Matthew Rosenberg and art by Carmine DJ Domenico. Uh, and Rosenberg's someone who I've I've been a fan of his uh his Marvel work. So Yeah, we spoke about this a couple episodes ago, I think. Um you know, when he was he was on Another book, probably maybe one of the Endless Winter things, perhaps mm-hmm. something recently that they was on the DC, and we kind of spoke about how it was interesting seeing him, you know, kind of come over to this side for a bit. Yeah, uh, and Jean Paul Leon variant cover, I'm also on board with, uh, pretty much always. Uh, same day as that, you got Future State, Robin Eternal issue one, uh, and that is the regular price, regular size, two issue book. So issue one January, issue two February. Uh, that's a uh, Megan Fitzmartin rating with Eddie Barrows on the art. I'm not. It's just Megan. That's that's the uh, American spelling. What was the H for? I don't know. Hey, some people might say Megan. They, they don't. It's just just me. It's Megan. Hey, Miss Martian is Megan. Yes, that has an apostrophe. Still, I'm going with Megan. All right, piss off. Leave me alone. Uh, so yes, this is a uh, your, your Robin two issue book. Um, I don't know I, which Robin it is. Do you? I'm not familiar with Fitzmartin. It looks like Damien on the cover to me, but I mean, uh, I'm just reading the solicit. It, uh, it, it apparently it's Tim. Oh, it's I, Tim, I, I did not have that pegged as Tim. It, it looks more Damien asking the cover. I mean, the hair and the even just his height and stuff. But again, there's not a lot to you know for scale, admittedly. But yeah, it looks no. more thing to me. So, I mean, it's worth mentioning, so even though some of these books are very big, there's only, it seems to only be about two a week, uh, at least to the Batman, obviously once we add in the Superman books, I mean, it got to yeah, four. Yeah. But, and, I then mean, I, and then, yeah, well, I mean, adding that, and then a handful of Black Label books, that there might be a reasonable amount each week, I, I don't know. Yeah, but how many Black Label books do we realistically get a week? I, it seems to me that the max we're going to have a week is six books, just based on what we've read so we'll, far. We'll find out, yeah. Uh, next up, Future State, next Batman issue 2, that's uh, January 19th, so we're at the third week of the Bat books. Uh, so more next Batman, uh, and then more importantly, Batgirls, written by Vita Yalea, and uh, art by Aneke, or Aniki, I'm not sure how you pronounce that name, I do apologize. Uh, but, what have I been asking for, for the last four goddamn years? Yep, and it does confirm in the solicits that it is, uh, Cass and Steph, 
Oh, baby, it's Christmas. Yeah, and uh, the other story as well, we have a Gotham City Sirens story with uh, by Paula uh, Sevenbergen and my model, Lupacino. Sevenbergen? you got to say like a, a Swedish person. Sevenbergen? No? Should I put extra H's in? I don't know. <laughs> I feel I, like you've just kind of thrown that in out of nowhere. Sevenbergen? Seven, I, just, I don't know. I can just see like a, a, a Swedish person saying that really quickly. Uh, uh, yes, and Lupacino on the art, of course, on that one. Uh, yeah. So... Again, interesting it... to me out of those issues so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next Batman is the one that's presumably going to be in every each issue of the four. I'll be curious, and then it'll be two each for the other stories. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if uh, it just matches in the next month, so that you know the first issue will have part twos of the other two in the first one, and then part two of Batgirls and Gotham City it's Sirens kinda, will be in. Kind of my expectation right now. Uh, it you though if you if you really just want one of them, uh, it's hooking you for at least one of the other issues. Yeah. And, if, and if you're going to have like three parts of next Batman because you've already bought one and two, well, you might as well buy the other one too so you can read the whole of that story. Yeah, uh, the, the idea is, well, maybe you don't care about next Batman for whatever reason. Really what you want is Batgirls and then you have to buy two and four but then the temptation is, well, you've got all of Gotham City Siren so you might as well read that. And then you're like, well, now I kind of want to try next Batman because I've got half the story. Maybe may genius, honestly, when you think about it. Uh, so... Notably, though, this is the same size, same price as the other issue, so there's, it isn't going down after issue one or anything like that. So it's going to be consistent. And all four issues, presumably, are going to be this triple size. So then you got Future State Catwoman on the same day, January 19th, Ram V writing Otto Schmidt on art. Notably, this is the artist, or the, so the writer that's on the regular book. Uh, it's cool. It's been also been Schmidt on something, now that I'm thinking about it. So that's yeah, cool. he's been off doing uh, Marvel work, I think, for a while. The traitor. In, in, fact, in fact, I think I've just been reading him on... Um, the Hawkeye book that Rosenberg wrote, uh, Freefall. Oh, uh, so this is again kind of in line, and I, I like this this uh, system now that I'm looking through this. Is that the big book seems to be accompanied by a regular size book every week, at least in this family. So this is this is regular size two issues, you know. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a clear pattern here emerging. Uh, although there's actually a third one that I, I spoke to soon. Uh, same day, January nineteenth, Future State Nightwing issue one again, two issues regular sized. Uh, but I mean, again, it's regular size versus, so it's not like they're, they're putting it like, at least in the Bat family. I'm assuming there's going to be a big Superman book to go with it, but at least there's not yeah. going to be like multiple big Bat books and multiple big Justice League Superman books. Uh, so this is uh, Andrew Constant writing with art by Nicholas Scott. Nicholas Scott on Nightwing. And I have to say that cover that I'm seeing there, which I think is probably the Putri cover. Yeah, the, the, the Scott oh. covers the variant, which they're, is also very nice. Oh, they're both good, actually. Yeah. It, it's been a while since we've seen Nicola Scott on Nightwing. Obviously, she's, you know... I have to say, I'm liking that Nightwing outfit. It's just, it's got a little bit of the shoulder paddy kind of thing going for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not feeling the chin strap, admittedly. A chin, um, uh, the chin strap, yeah, I could take a leave. But I'm liking just a little bit of the armoured look to the... Just the blue parts. Yeah. I'm into I, I would expect a very sexy Nightwing look, essentially. I mean, Nicola Scott is the one that, you know, uh, you know started the whole Nightwing's ass running gag. That That's, that's from her art. So I would expect more along those lines. And then we get to January 26th, which has Future State Batman Superman issue one with Gene Lun Yang writing with Ben Oliver on the art. Yeah, that's cool. Again, that's regular size, two issues, uh, simple stuff. Uh, also January 26th. Why didn't put this first this time? This is the only time they've put the bigger book second in this list. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, but, I, I don't know why. But Future State Dark Detective issue two is January 26th, as expected. Uh, which has Dark Detective continued by Tamaki and Mora, and then the second story in this one, again, alternating, much like the, obviously, the other book, 
is Red Hood, written by Joshua Williamson and art by Giannis uh, Milo de Giganis is for some long name. <laughs> Do you know, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to make it easy for you. Okay. It's Greek. It's a Greek name. Oh, so I don't know how to say it, but he's actually Greek. So it's so it's an ancient name, and therefore ancient Greek uh, no, name um, is stupid. This is the artist uh, I really like. He did a uh, Ronin Island with uh, with Pack. Uh, I think at Boom. Um, you read a couple of issues, I think, Pete. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll refer to him simply as G. Me and G are good good buddies. I'll call him G. That, that seems fair. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's really conflicting that because it's like ugh, Red Hood, but then it's Williamson and you know this artist G, G as yeah, we shall G. say, uh, who I do really like. So that's that's frustrating. You're going to have the book here because you'll be reading the Tamaki story. So uh... that's that's true. So <laughs> you might as well. Yeah. Uh, so that wraps up the Bat books uh, for the month of January. Uh, the Bat family books, I should say. So, you know, it's not actually as much as I thought it was going to be when I sort of glanced at the article. I was like, okay, so it's like a big book each week and a, a little book, but that one yeah. week exception I'm, of having a third I'm kind of waiting to see how much is on the other uh, well, family. we're about to find out. Uh, so, Superman family, the paragraph at the top of this one's a bit bigger, so let me uh, read this. Due to his involvement in an international crisis happening in the near future, Clark Kent has been rejected by Earth, causing him to focus on his life-saving efforts outside his adopted home. He travels to Warworld to rise through the ranks of gladiatorial combat in order to defeat Mongol with the help of some unlikely heroes. Back in Metropolis, Clark's son John has taken on the mantle of Superman. After seeing the horrors that befell Gotham, he bottles Metropolis in order to keep it safe, putting him at odds with Supergirl. Connecting the two, uh, actually, I won't read that this part because we'll just get to that in the slices. But uh, so, no, interesting, interesting. Yeah, and I will say, uh, Newsarama is terrible at formatting this because this time the uh, comics in the in the slices are not in order of when they come out, or at least if they are, they're just kind of all over the place. Well, we'll just take it as it comes. So, first up here, uh, very. Pretty cover for Future State Kara Zor-El, Superwoman issue one. That's an interesting uh, title. Margaret Bennett writing with Margaret Savage. Uh, probably said that wrong. Uh, on the on the art. Uh, that's regular size, two issues. Uh, you can kind of guess this by some of these. Just kind of you can see what the, the main two books are going to be. Uh, you got Future State Superman of Metropolis. Oh, okay, actually, I should mention when that first one is. Uh, that first one is on uh, the twelfth of January. So that's week two. So yeah, these are just out of order. Um, so the next book up is Future State Superman of Metropolis issue one. So this is the the Superman replacement. This is a six dollar forty eight page book. Main story: Superman of Metropolis, written by Sean Lewis and art by John Timms. And you've got two other stories in this one: The Guardian, written by also Sean Lewis, with art by Cully Hammer, and then Mister Miracle, written by Brandon Easton, with art by Valentin D. Land uh, D. Landro. Sorry. So just to say, it's a uh, Cully Hamner. It's an N, not two M's. I know he he has a personal pet hatred of that. So just in case he, he catches this, <laughs> I apologize on, on Pete's behalf. I'm not going to lie. When you glance at that name, it looks like two M's. He's had, he, he gets quite annoyed, I know, because you know, he goes like actual cons and they'll put up like, you know, on their, you know, like, yeah, their, their guides of, you know, the, the, the map to where everyone is and, and they'll put it with two M's. <laughs> um, see, part of me wants to be a dick and call him Cully MC Hammer now just to really... Drive it home. I'm sure he's heard it before. Uh, uh, so, 
Yeah, so much like the Bat books, this one, it's not an $8 book. Maybe that's going to be the one outlier of being that big, unless the Justice League one coming up is, but... Yeah, uh, I think what's interesting about this compared to the, the Bat book is mm-hmm. this is uh, smaller, so it's 48 pages, so it's double instead of the triple. It's the same it size... Is... It's the same size as the detective one. It is, but this has three stories in it, whereas the smaller detective one only had two. This uh, is so true. each story is going to be a bit shorter. Uh, I would probably go further and say that the, the main story will probably be regular size, and then the, the other two will be a bit shorter. That'd be my guess. But I mean, uh, Very possible. Yeah. could go either way. Especially with one of them being written by the same writer as the main story. I could see that being a little, little bit on the shorter side. Uh, so... And this one does have some connective tissue, because um, just at the end of the solicit, this is the, the bit of the paragraph you didn't quite get to uh, mm. on the other one. It mentions the current Mr. Miracle, uh, Shiloh Norman, is in the bottom, is in the bottle and is looking for a way out. Um, but, you know, this story continues in uh, Superman War, Worlds of War, which I, I, uh, we'll, we'll get to. I think all the super books are going to have some connective tissue. I think all the bat books will have some connective tissue. I, I, you know, the, ba- just... the bat books have the magistrate stuff. This clearly has the connections between Warworld and Metropolis being bottled and... Yeah, this this seems a little bit more direct as opposed to just, oh, they're in the same scenario. This has a, a direct note. This will continue in a different book. Oh, sure, but I'm I'm kind of assuming that when we actually read the Bat books that eventually there's going to be a lot more there might well be ties too. between them. Uh, just maybe just not right away. Uh, next up, Future State Superman versus M- Imperious Lex. I'm going to say Emperor Alexa. Imperious Lex. Uh, so this is regular-sized. Interestingly, one of three. This is a three-issue book, so clearly there's going to be a double ship uh, in one of the ones. We'll find out if it's this one. <laughs> but this is Mark Russell writing with Steve Pugh on the art. Uh... This is on the 26th. Yeah, so you're a fan of Pure, so it'll, be, it'll have to be February then. It's double shipping, obviously, if this is at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, regular size, though, $4, 32 pages. It makes sense if you're going to double ship it in the second month to start this one late, because then you can still do it every two weeks. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it's uh, every other week, yeah, at that point. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty cool um then we have future state superman worlds of war which is the one that was mentioned i assume this is still a big one it is indeed although notably this is only two issues so this is the eight dollar equivalent to the bat book but there's only two of them so it's just one per month i assume Uh, we'll find out if i'm wrong as we go but uh so the stories in here are superman worlds of war uh, by philip keddy johnson with art by michael yannon so oh yes please nice Uh, art on that at least philip keddy johnson is writing the uh the last god which is you know the the grimdark fantasy book from Black Label that you oh. like to overlook in the solicits. So, uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Liking that I overlook it would imply that I notice it exists. Uh, <laughs> it does not live rent-free in my mind, I'm sorry to uh-huh. say. Uh, Midnighter is a second story written by Michael W. Conrad with art by Becky Clunan. No, no, no. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Co-written by Becky Clunan. Yes, I, I saw my mistake as I was reading that, all right? Give me, give me a split second. To actually address what I just said, okay? Sometimes my mouth moves faster than my brain's functioning. I have to get to the end of my sentence and recalibrate. You need to to drink more Monster or Rockstar, whatever it is you've got at the minute. I don't drink Rockstar, right? I'm not a chump, okay? Rockstar is piss water, okay? (laughs) I don't disagree. Absolute piss water. Okay, and then the third story is Black Racer, uh, written by Jeremy Adams and art by uh, Sia Um, I'm probably butchering that name, so I do apologize. Oh, just, just to say, the art on Midnight was uh, Gleb Melkinov. And notably, there was actually, a, the fourth story is Mr. Miracle, so that actually is directly just having another chapter in this book. 
yeah. Uh, Brandon Easton, uh, Valentine D'Alandro again on the on the arc. So uh, that's interesting. Uh, that's maybe a, a little. So, so unlike the bat books, there's not going to be like four of each. There's four of one and two of the other in Superman. But notable, but they're being a little bit cheeky and having a story that's going through all of them so that you it's, might have to buy them all. <laughs> it's interesting because as much as um, that Mr. Miracle starts in the, the other issue and then kind of comes into here, uh, these books feel a little less connected than the Gotham ones by the nature of, well, we're dealing with Superman out on Warworld, mm-hmm. but also, you know, John and Kara back on Earth. Uh, it feels like there's two very different sections of the Superman family yeah. going on. And if you ever wanted uh, your sexy pin-up, Hercules-looking Superman outfit, the cover's got it for you. Yeah, it's uh, that's the artist on that Last God book who, who does that cover. Um, oh, very good. Yeah, very like a uh, kind of painted style. Uh, Alex Ross-esque, I would say. Hmm. And then next up, we got Future State Superman Wonder Woman issue one. This is a regular size, two issues. Uh, Dan Waters writing with Leela Del Duca, maybe Ducha, uh, on the maybe art. Ducha, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm just actually trying to see who the Wonder Woman is in this because that is uh, Yara Floor. She's oh, the the new one that's in. We'll get to it in the in the Wonder Woman book. Okay, so this is not something I should know from before. Uh, good. Future State Justice League issue one is next. And oh, this is another oversized book. Not the the eight dollar though, six dollar variety, forty eight pages. A couple of different stories here. We got Justice League, just Justice League, <laughs> written by Joshua Williamson, with art by Robson Roca and Daniel Henrique. And then we've got Justice League Dark, written by Ram V, with art by Marcio Takara. So that's obviously the current uh, yeah. Justice League Dark uh, writer. That's great. I would say we should probably take a quick break and read the paragraph for the Justice League. Oh, is there a separate uh, paragraph on the thing? I didn't realize. Yes, oh. yes. There's the Justice League family still. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Sorry. Separate separate uh, batch here. Um, a thread of great changes runs through the Justice League heroes. A new league is built upon secret identities, even from each other. But an old and evolved enemy will use these secrets to try and overthrow the world. For the supernatural heroes of Justice League Dark, the very fabric of reality has shifted and heroes are being hunted. Uh, for Flash, Shazam, and the Teen Titans, it all begins with the four Raiders of the Apocalypse unleashing hell in the battle at Titans Academy. Barry Allen is cut off from the Speed Force. A famine-controlled Wally West maybe be on saving. And Billy Batson makes a deal with the devil that will change Shazam forever. Off-world, John Stewart and the remaining Green Lanterns are stranded in the shadow of a dead power battery. Jackson Hyde and Andy Curry are separated across the galaxy, and Amanda Waller executes her ultimate plan with a new but terrifyingly familiar Suicide Squad on Earth Three, at the end of time, Swamp Thing. Yeah, at the end of time, Swamp Thing reveals its true intention, ruling supreme until the remnant of humanity launches a rebellion. And Black Adam looks to the past as the only way to save the future of the multiverse. So obviously, that's a bit of a catch-all because there's so many characters to cover in terms of. Yeah, that what we're talking about. Black Adam sounds surprisingly interesting in terms of kind of perhaps being more important than that it kind of just suggests there in terms of getting back to the status quo at the end of this event, mm. possibly. So, yeah, maybe yeah. Black Adam's the reason why it does get back to normal. If it is indeed something, it should be fixed. Uh, so, yeah, the cover of this just looks really interesting seeing sort of, like, who's on it, if we can even tell who some of them are. But that definitely looks like Joe. Uh, it's the Green Lantern there. It is. It's Joe and John, obviously. This is the the new woman, uh, Wonder Woman, sorry, um, and the new Batman. Yeah, presumably, this is the Luke Fox Batman. What we what we didn't mention really in the Batman solicits is the Dark Detective, 
shows a completely different Batman as well. So we have two Batman running around. Okay, okay. So that could be the second Batman. No, I think this is the Luke Fox this one. This is the Luke Fox one, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Actually, I'll just I'll read this list of us because it seems like it actually tells us who. So, starring John Kent as Superman, Yara Flor as Wonder Woman, Joel Mullen as Green Lantern, Andy Curry as Aquaman. Oh, she's daughter. I just realised who Andy. Who Andy? Yeah. Did you not realise? Yeah. I just clicked. I just clicked. Oh, she's got. Oh, she's a redhead and everything. Yeah. She's taking after well, her mother. I mean, yeah. I was gonna say. Uh, a new Flash from the multiverse and redacted as Batman. I don't know. That's because they still officially haven't told us that. Luke Fox okay. is going to be a Batman, although everyone kind of knows, right? That makes We've me think about it for months. That could be the other one, just because I don't know. I feel like they know we know, so it seems weird for them. Well, to I, I would agree, this. but the other one you can see like half of his face. Okay, all right. Okay, okay, all right. And then you got Future State Aquaman issue one. This is a regular size price, two issues, uh, written by Brandon Thomas, art by Daniel Sempier. Uh, this is a, uh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't have much to much to add on it. Um, no. Then we got Future State: The Flash Issue One. This is regular size, two issues, written by Brandon V. Sorry, Brandon VA, and art by Dale Eaglesham. So I like Eaglesham. Yeah, uh, and this is a uh, Wally West that's in this. So that's yeah, with a. Gorgeous Carrie Andrews variant, I will say. Yes. Uh, although it does look like Wally West is a bit evil in this. According well, to that was implied in that paragraph, which is kind of... I've rolled my eyes at that point. Yeah. Like, God damn it, again already? I mean, we'll see what they're doing. I, I, I don't know. Um, but VA, we're looking at you. I mean, with no powers, no backup, and no other choice, Barry Allen and the other former Flashes face the deadliest threat they've ever encountered, Wally West. <sighs> This bothers me less than Heroes in Crisis, though, because it's like a weird future thing that we're going to undo. I, I get that. <laughs> I feel kind of how, you know how you were talking about with uh, with Babs kind of just being the, the token woman, uh, you know, the, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. I kind of feel that here with Wally West. Like, in, in a vacuum, this wouldn't be a problem, and this does inherently bother me less than, than Heroes in Crisis, because it's, this one doesn't matter, really. But it's just, again, already. I just want a goddamn Wally West story. Yep. Well... Next up, we actually have another oversized book, 48 pages, $6. Green Lanterns, uh, taken up here. This is a, yeah, just Future State Green Lantern issue one. No, nothing fancy. Uh, first story is called The Last Lanterns by Jeffrey Thorne and art by Tom Rainey. And then we have The Book of Guy, written by Ernie yes. Altbacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got The Last Lanterns by, art by Clayton Hill. Well, I'm confused here. Uh, there's no artist for the Book of Guy and there's no writer for The Last Lanterns. Is this a, is this a uh, mistake? I assume that it's... It, it could be a case of the, the... I get the feeling here that these are the, uh, this is actually the team. Uh, the Ernie and Clayton here are going to be the team on The Book of Guy or The Last Lanterns. One of those is the wrong title. That's what I'm going to I, guess. I think The Book of Guy because it's only, it's only the second Last Lanterns that seems to be the mistake. Okay. Uh, so then you have The Taking of Sector 1, 2, 3. Which is a fantastic pun, and uh, if you've not heard of the movie, The Taking of Pelham 123 is a play on that. Uh, written by Ryan Cady and art by Sammy Bajri. So, um, so it's, I guess it's nice for Green Lantern to get maybe a little oversized treatment uh, as Hey, well. it'll be the most Green Lantern you've read in years. <laughs> it literally will, <laughs> yes. It will. 
Um, and it's interesting, this is how we're getting Joe in some way into the, the, the mix with the rest of the characters, yeah. even though it's not present-day continuity. It's kind of interesting. I, I don't think Joe's in this issue. Oh, I, I, think... wasn't, I wasn't even implying that. I just meant in general with the, the yeah, Justice League stuff. These stories, we've got the, the John Stewart trapped. Uh, we mentioned that. It mentions uh, Jessica Cruz versus uh, Sinestro Core, and then uh, Guy Gardner deciding to reopen the Warriors bar, the, the three stories. Hmm. Uh, and then we have Future State Immortal Wonder Woman issue one, and I have to say this is the first one out of all of these, I think, where I definitely do not prefer the variant over the main cover. <laughs> I think the main cover no. is gorgeous. And then well, that's because the... the main cover is Jen Bartel, and it's yeah, but freaking fantastic. Usually the variants will at least go blow for blow, if not be better, and I don't like that variant. I, I don't dislike the variant. It's a very different style, um, yeah. but Bartel is like, yo, one of the top cover artists working in the industry right now, and She's actually on interiors in this issue as well. So exciting. Much like uh, the Green Lantern one, this is also oversized. Only two issues though. Six dollars for eight pages. Uh, you have a Mortal Wonder Woman by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cunning, with art by Jim Bartel, and then you have Nubia, written by L. L. McKinney and art by uh, Aletha Martinez and Mark Morales. So. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it makes sense that Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, and Justice League get. You know, maybe not the eight dollar books, but they get their own six dollar. Yeah, books. and I believe there's another Wonder Woman book somewhere coming up because there's one that's about the you know the, the new Wonder Woman because this this is Diana still this issue. Uh, in more sure, sure. I just I just meant it was nice for those characters to also get that that prestige of having. They, they deserve that. Yeah. The the one shots. Um. If anything, I feel <laughs> just like the team on the next issue. Sorry. If anything, I feel like Flash is the one that's uh, maybe a missing one at this point, unless one pops up. Uh, yeah. Future State Legion of Superheroes issue one is next, and it's Brian Michael Bendis and Riley Rosmo. Regular size, uh, two issues. It's like, what team can you can you throw at a book that will make me absolutely despise it? I've got a funny feeling. I know one of our patrons is going to make you read Shut in up. January. <laughs> no, look, they've got so much choice that they could make me read so much stuff. Yeah, we should mention there is a size limit. I mean, he's going to read the eight dollar Batman book anyway, but the eight dollar books would actually be over the limit. But uh, as long as it's under the uh, that six dollar you know page count, you're good. <laughs> yeah, the yeah like forty eight pages. That's think, fine. Nah, is annual size is fine for those Patreon books, but um, this one's a regular size though. So that's this is this is it is this yeah. is fine. You're maybe getting less for your money's worth than page count, but I mean the hatred per page is going to be <laughs> off the charts. <laughs> True. I may not even read this one. Oh, don't do that to me. It'll just be Connor reading that. You gotta read it. You, this this might be the capper to to Bendis's uh, Legion run. I've already stopped reading. Know. I've already stopped reading it. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we got Future State Shazam issue one, regular size to two issues. I have to say, I love that variant cover. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yeah, it is. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, this is Tim Sheridan writing with uh, Eduardo Panseca on the art. And, you know, it encourages me that this and a couple of the other books, you know, the, the, the Superwoman book with Kara, it does encourage me that some of these books that recently ended are getting these these minis here to maybe suggest that there is a plan for them going forward, that they're not just being abandoned for good. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Again, uh, just reading the solicit, I'm not going to read it all, but it mentions in a story set years after the events of Future State Teen Titans. So... This is a weird follow-on to another one of these future states. It's even further in the future. Which I think is interesting because, okay, maybe not all of these books are happening at the same time. 
Maybe there are others that are a little bit different as oh, well. Oh, sure, maybe. Potentially interesting. Maybe like um, that Justice League book where it said that you know they didn't you know necessarily all know each other's identities. Um, for example, maybe the maybe they don't know who Batman is, but then in the 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 Batman Superman book might be set after that, and they do know each other now by that point. Could could be interesting. Yeah. Uh... And then after that, we have Future State Suicide Squad issue one. And this is, oh, this is a $6. I, do you know what? This one, if you'd asked me to predict which ones were going to get the $6 treatment, uh, I, 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 Suicide Squad would have been borderline. I don't know if I'd have picked it in the I list. Think, I think it's like plausible enough because they love to kind of sell yeah, Suicide I, 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 Squad. I get it's it. It's been like an ongoing book for like a decade like, at this point, right? I wouldn't have predicted this was one of the ones that got a $6 book, but I wouldn't, I'm not surprised it does either. It's kind of on that weird line mm. where i can see it going either way but anyway uh main story is just called suicide squad written by robbie thompson art by uh, javi fernandez and then we have black adam written by jeremy adams and art by fernando Pissarin. uh so well as a couple of the main writers ram v is the one who's stuck out, sticking out to me to, for the most part to be honest other than that i'm not seeing a lot of the regular teams on these maybe we bend this on the legion book i suppose but yeah uh, what's interesting about, about this though. one is um Pissarin has been doing hawkman uh, and obviously, you know, Black Adam has a, has a lot of history with Hawkman. Um, just, just to make it interesting, you know, we talked about maybe this would be the, the one that kind of linked back. This seems to be set way further in the future because this is, you know, um, Black Adam rules the planet Kandak in the 853rd century. Oh, interesting. Um, well, I mean, it seems like all the Bat books and Super books are, are in correlation with each other. Maybe some of these other Justice League books and solo characters are a bit more separate and are just whatever... Yeah, yeah. You know, whoever they want to set them. And then next up, we have Future State Swamp Thing, which is two issues, regular size. Ram V on Swamp Thing. Now, this I can get behind. Ram uh, V and Mike Perkins, who Mike, did the wraparound. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so Perkins. if you liked their stuff in that uh, issue last week, uh, then here's more of that for you. Yes. And I, believe, I believe this has Etrig on it. One one of the things that Ramby is doing has Etrigan in it because he was tweeting about it and I was excited. Um, I, I mean, I don't particularly give a shit about Etrigan. I don't dislike Etrigan; he's fine. But I'm not. I'm not. So it's not something give me that excites all me. of the Etrigan. Uh, sometimes the rhyming can get on, on my nerves a little bit. Uh, there we have Future State Teen Titans issue one, regular size, two issues. Uh, Tim Sheridan writing with Rafa Sandoval on the art. Yeah, this has been getting some attention just because uh, it's introducing Red X, who was a character from the uh, Teen Titans Go, uh, you know, TV show, and hasn't made it made their way to comics yet. Interesting. So. And then we have Future State Wonder Woman, not to be confused with Immortal Wonder Woman, which was the the one from earlier. This is regular size, two issues, but it is Joel Jones, both writing and art, and of course, this is the the new Wonder Woman that it's focusing on. And that does wrap up these future state solicits. So there was quite a lot in there. I, I hate that this didn't put them in order, so I could just sort of group them by week in my head as we were, as we were going. Yeah, I feel like I want to just like jot them down quickly and see how bad it actually looks. Um, I don't think it's too bad. Uh, I feel it's like hard to say. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I'll try to do it. See, unlike Connor before the start of this, I know how to use Control Find. So I'm going to. Oh, you gotta do each date. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to do the first one. I'm not going to do all of them. <laughs> I'm not mad. What's the first Wednesday or Tuesday? And, uh, uh, I think it's the 5th. The 5th. Okay, it's the 5th, yes. Right. So, now we know the Bat books, because it's easy to remember. It was one oversized book, one regular size book. 
Um, on yeah. for these books, we have the six dollar Superman book on that day. We have okay. the regular priced uh, Flash book. We have the regular priced Swamp Thing book. The regular priced Wonder Woman book, and that's it. So that's your that's your first week. So that's about five or six issues. Two over what? One supersized in the Bat book. One oversized Superman book, and then like what? Four regular size. Four more. Yeah, that sounds reasonable so to me. That's a a healthy amount to read because that's assuming you read all of them. It's healthy. It's healthy, but it's not like oh my god, what is this week? Yeah, it's about nine issues worth of content. I think it breaks down to that particular week. Um, maybe some other weeks will be a bit more. I no, don't I meant know. To, like, there could be at least one Black Label book that week too, but we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, <laughs> but in terms of the main line, there is less books overall. Uh, now, admittedly, because we are nuts and we're going to be more tempted to try most of these, I imagine it might actually end up that we read more. But that's just because we're mad and we like this stuff. But there's a there's a lot of creators I don't know, which. Yeah. Is means that I can't go. Oh, I don't want to read that because I don't like this person. Yeah, you have to take a take a risk, and I've some, got to take and, the gamble. Yeah, and sometimes it'll pay off, and sometimes it will not, and you'll you'll learn some lessons. But, and... but we'll know. If, I can't even say for sure. I'll know for the future because you know one example isn't really enough to mm. to rule someone out entirely, unless it's Joe you know, atrocious. Yes, um, uh, for patrons of paying attention, there's a Bendis uh, Rosmo book, which I think Connor no, there's not. That, that will be to... forgotten about by Jamie. Uh, so just to dive into the rest of the solicits that are separate from all this, it's mostly you know other things. So for example, we got American Vampire, nineteen seventy six, issue four. Uh, that's continuing. Not much to say. Batman Black and White, issue two. I forgot this was a thing. <laughs> yeah, with uh, uh, David Aha is doing a story in this one. This is a uh, two. Uh, sorry, this is uh, issue two of six. Is what I try to say. Uh, and the six dollar book. Obviously, it's an anthology style. We got Tom King, Gabriel Hardman. Karina Becko, David uh, Aja, Sophie Campbell, and Dustin Weaver, all, all the writing stories. We also got art by Mitch Gerrards, Gabriel Hardman. Uh, I, I, I don't like Hardman's art, actually. Uh, I, I don't know whether his name came up recently, but I did come up recently, because I remember it, play, Prison it, Green Lantern it, in a plum book. It, it did come up recently, it I did. remember that. Unless uh, it was an issue one of this, and he's got a second story, I, I don't know. Yeah. In fact, notably the rest of the names here, with the exception of Garris, who's presumably with Tom King, the rest of them are, for the most part, just the same people doing their, their own art. <laughs> so, uh, Which is actually um, very common in the Batman black and white of old. It was I, often I, the artists getting a chance to tell a, a short story well, of their own. Which I get it, because, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of an artist-focused concept in a weird way. Um, yeah. That said, though, they should let Tom King draw his own story, you cowards. Uh, so... You got Batman no The Adventures Continue, issue 8. Oh, that's continuing. You got Batman The White Knight Presents, Harley Quinn, issue 4. Uh, so that's continuing. Uh, Batman Catwoman is going on during this, so that's not pausing, which makes sense. It's black label, it's out of continuity. It's, but even it's though. Weird, it's, it is black label, but it feels more connected. Yeah. Right, than the it... I mean, in, in the same way that Strange Adventures does. Yeah, if, I'd say it feels even more connected than that in the sense that it. Maybe it's not technically outright continuity, but it does feel like a possible ending continuity to his Batman run. If you want to accept this as your ending, this will function it there. Kind of, it feels almost like because um, Bendis did this with Daredevil, right? Where he did yeah, obviously yeah. a pretty healthy uh, Daredevil run, and then he came back a few years later and did uh, I don't know what that story was called, but he did one set in the future. End kind of, of Days, I think, or something like that. End called. of Days, yeah. It was all, it was almost like a Dark Knight Returns style like ending for for you know the the outcome of maybe his Daredevil. Yeah. But apparently Phantasm's been teased for other things as well coming up, so I guess we're getting Phantasm properly in comics coming soon. 
Not to be confused with the movie Phantasm, although I would enjoy that. I uh, watched that for the first time last week, and it was rather good. It's fantastic. Oh, the music's so good. Uh, oh, the music was... Do you know what? I've never heard anyone talk about the music in Phantasm. I just hear, oh, it's the Silver Bolt. Uh, anyway, that's all I knew about it, and that people liked it. And then the music was so good. And then the second one, the Aliens is up, and it turns into like an action theme. It's great. Do you know what? Annoyingly, I don't think Shudder has the second one. It's got like three, four, and five, but not the second one. Yeah, uh, two, two was universal, so two's right, so always end up being different. Bastards. Do yeah. I need to watch two? Yeah, two's good. God damn it. It's, it's good in a different way, though. It's Phantasm 2 is kind of like Aliens to Alien. <laughs> but what I mean is when you get to, like, Phantasm 3, then, and onwards, uh-huh. is it like, you probably should have watched 2, or is it more like, ah, this is closer to 1? Um, You should watch 2, because it's easily the second best one. <laughs> Alright, good answer. And 3 is the third best one, and then after that is... Just stand by that, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, 5 was dreadful, and 4 is, like, mostly deleted scenes from the first one, and it feels like it. <laughs> really? That's Yeah, they basically, bizarre. they had, like, hours and hours of deleted footage, for, because when they shot the first one, and they basically formed a story around him remembering stuff, so that, so, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it, well, it's interesting, though, because it's, it's all this footage of him still as a kid, even though he's an adult now, so it's kind of impressive in that sense, like, oh, hey, this is so weird, they actually have all this real footage of him, you know, in character at this age still. That we've never seen before. It's, it's unique, but it's still not really a movie. Movie, <laughs> not, not very good. Is what you're saying. And five is just a complete mess. Uh, th- three was it. a lot more fun than I remembered though when I watched it uh, like last year or so. I'll, uh, I'll maybe track down two and then jump onto three and and kind of maybe stop there. I mean, I mean two. I mean two's the one that has the formation of the quadruple barrel shotgun, and you're going to be so confused in three if you don't see how that thing is formed. So. Oh, oh, will I? I'll be so confused by the, the fact that there is a quadruple barrel shotgun. I can't just take that as fact. You need the montage of where you duct tapes the two shotguns together. It's important. <laughs> you know when you said formation, I thought this was like some like super impressive thing. Not uh, duct tape. I couldn't it's figure not, out how to duct tape them together. I'm exaggerating. It's not actual duct tape. He actually makes like a, like, a, like a handle for it so you can cock them at the same time. So there's a bit more to it than just duct tape. I was. Do they look duct taped? No, no, it looks good. That looks good. Um, anyway, uh, Deceased Dead Planet issue 7. So that's wrapping up in January, uh, believe it or not. So obviously there's no need to describe what that is. It's, it's uh, more Deceased. Yeah. Although, do we have another movie variant? We do. Oh, it's the Birds of Prey poster. I quite like it. Uh, that'll be again boring now, just taking the DC movies. No, I agree. They ran out a little bit ago, let's be honest, of what they had access what? to, what they owned. Warner Brothers has been making movies since the goddamn, like, 30s. They've no, got tons okay. of options. Let me rephrase. They ran out of things on theme <laughs> and decided to just go, just, look, look, we all know there's going to be another deceased book after this. And they've got, uh, they've, mm. they've got to save things. They need something impressive for at least the first couple of the next deceased book to, to sell gangbusters. I'm looking up at my shelf right now. They didn't do Road Warrior. They didn't do Logan's Run. They didn't do... Joe, oh, no, uh, Road Warrior I don't think is a that exciting a poster for them to do, but Logan's Run probably would have been a good one. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's tons of options. Well, get on the phone to... Uh, Martina did this one. Ta- no, no, Ben Oliver did this one. Time Cop. Where's my Time Cop poster? Joe, I'll give you that one. Just take solace in the fact that they're saving it for the, for the, 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 the third slash fourth deceased book. All right, the, the Dreaming Waking Hours issue six, uh, that's coming. And then you got Joker Harley Criminal Sanity issue seven. 
Uh, so that's growing. Uh, as per usual, pretty cover. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's to be expected. Yeah. Last Guard issue 12 is there. See, I remembered it. Uh, Looney yeah. Tunes issue 258, Mad Magazine 18, Other History of the DC Universe. This is buried down here for some reason. Uh, that's issue 205, the John Ridley book, which we're definitely going to be checking out when it hits in December. And yeah. we got Rorschach issue 4. Obviously, we're doing issue 1 today, so I'll save any of my thoughts on that until we get there. Um, but that's there. We got Sweet Tooth, The Return, issue 3. Uh, Harley Quinn, The Birds of Prey, The Hunt for Harley. That's obviously right at the young adult. But is it? No, that's, is this the collection of the... Uh, yes, it's the collection. Yes, it's a trade. Yes, it's the collection of the uh, that recent Palmiotti series. Yeah, I, th- I thought we were on to the, the young adult books. Do you know what's bizarre? Is, is I must be going crazy because when I skimmed these mm-hmm. at some point, either yesterday or earlier today, I could have sworn the final issue of Metal was included in these solicits. Yeah, it's not. I'm not seeing it now. So I don't know what I was looking at earlier. Didn't it get advanced solicited? Uh, I think I think it time? did, because yeah. and, and, I remember thinking I was confused as to why are they throwing this in again, uh, unless unless it was a news drama I've edited out, which is possible. Which would be weird, but yes. Uh, so if there is anything missing because they've taken things out, uh, <laughs> please be aware of such a thing. Um, interestingly, the the uh, the trade for Joker War, which is the Joker War saga. Does include a lot of the tie-in stuff. You got Batman ninety-five to hundred, Batgirl forty-seven, Detective Comics one thousand twenty-five, Red Hood forty-eight, Nightwing seventy-four, Joker Warzone issue one, which would make sense, obviously, and stories from Harley Quinn seventy-five and Catwoman twenty-five. So they're doing a nice big beefy book. Uh, it's a hardcover. I said trade. Yeah. It's actually a hardcover, but you know, same difference. It is. Uh, I'm just looking to see if there's anything else interesting in the trades because uh, so, yeah. sometimes sometimes stuff kind of surprises me. Because I don't keep up on all the trades as much as I probably should to get the actual good deals. Because these all go on Amazon long before they're actually solicited in here. Oh sure, yeah. Um, there is the uh, the Swamp Thing New Fifty Two Omnibus, which is all of the uh, Snyder stuff with the Jeff Lemire tie-ins from Animal Man and the Soul stuff that followed as well. If you want everything, yes. Uh, I would suggest save your money, go get the Snyder Complete Collection, and you can ignore the stuff that came after. Uh, there you go. While the Snyder Complete Collection is is very good value for the amount of content it is, and it's a great story, and you should, if you haven't got that, you know, it's it's worth a read. Um, if you're interested in soul stuff, it's pretty good. So uh, this is also this makes me sad. What? There's a hardcover called Green Arrow: Eighty Years of the Emerald Archer, and I'm like, wait, you're not going to do like an 80th anniversary special for Green Arrow? Like, oh. I honestly think they would have done if things hadn't gone tits up this year. Okay. I think it changed a lot of their plans as to what they're going to print. Um, maybe know. they heard us complaining about fatigue of these every goddamn month. I, I saw a really discerning tweet actually from Sterling Gates like last week, which is uh, because la- last year was Supergirl's 60th anniversary, and you know they have done a couple of things for some of the other characters for their 80th. And apparently, at a con, he asked like a, an executive at DC or, or Warner Brothers, like, "Are you doing anything for Supergirl's 60th?" And apparently the response is, she has a TV show. That's all the celebration she needs. That's so shitty. I know. Um, so I'm just concerned that Green Arrow's getting kind of a... I mean, he's getting this hardcover, sure, but he's not getting... He's got no book right now. He's not getting... And there's no of... future state Green Arrow. Oh, or at no? least uh, he, he might be buried in one of the other books, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't got his own thing. So I just I just think, I think that's notable. Um, oh, they continue with those Bronze Age uh, volumes, which is good. Um, for Swamp Thing, that is... Uh, 
So you know what, there was there was enough in this section that that I think we read between like yeah, Batman Black and White. We're probably going to check out Batman Catwoman, deceased, yeah, Rorschach. Uh, that it might add up to a reasonable amount each week. Uh, especially as we're probably going to be trying pretty much everything from Future State, right? Uh, most probably. Yeah, it probably works out to be a black label book a week, as long as they don't all bunch up in one week. The bastards, like, which they're prone to maybe do. <laughs> yeah, like two Tom King black label books this week. Yes, which wasn't a big deal this week, but it may be a problem in January. If it's, uh... <laughs> yeah, and and obviously there is no Strange Adventures in January. I think is that going uh, bi-monthly? I don't think so. Maybe they're just taking the one month off. Yeah, because obviously they're taking. Oh, hold on, hold on. a month off. Let me go check the, the solicits, because there was a few advanced solicits for the first week of January, so it may just be in that batch. Hold on. Oh, you're right, it could be. Um, I kind of forget about that. Do you know what I hate when they do that? Because you do get confused, and like, oh, where's this book? Where's that? It's just, oh, it was in December's solicits for no real reason. Yeah, I'll just do a control F here, so you want uh, 12, because that's to be the American way around, because the date's stupid. <laughs> Uh, well, it's not 12, it's this one, Han. It'd be, it'd be one, it's yeah. zero one. Or I don't it... even know if they put zero, I think they just put one. Just one. Okay. And then... It's one slash should cover One you. slash five. Nah, because there's something in, like, one of the number codes. Because I tried that, and it, it went to something else. Uh, so the advanced solicits for January from last month were Generation Shattered issue one, which is in the first week. Which is what a lot of... Future State is probably spinning out of, I think. I, I imagine so, yeah. So that'll probably be the first thing we talk about that week. Uh, Death Metal 7 is that week, so... So it'll probably be Death Metal first, then Future yeah. uh, then Generations, then the Future State. That's going to be a busy week. Strange Adventures issue is that week. <laughs> okay, so that week... That first we week is pretty have... big. That first week is pretty big, I'll give you... <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we worked out nine issues worth of content from the other stuff was on the first week. Plus... <laughs> Metal, I'm assuming, is oversized for its last issue. I could be wrong, but I'm just going out on a I, I, I can tell. I can tell. I'm on the page. I can tell you. Okay. Watch your horses. Uh, it's, it's it's a little oversized. It's, it's a little oversized. It's 48 pages. It's a little oh, yeah. Oversized. Okay, so it's double. Uh, so that's 11 issues worth. Generations is... That's definitely oversized, right? That's got to be... I, I, I saw it when I first looked at it, and I, I neglected to mention it because I didn't want to scare you. Go on. It's 80 pages. <laughs> Right, okay. That's another four issues worth. So we're, at, so we're at 15 issues worth, plus Strange Adventures, which is like one and a half. So 16 and a half, plus anything that happened to be in that uh, main solicits uh, that was not advanced uh, for, for this week. Um, uh, I don't know if there was anything, admittedly, that, that we're reading. Uh, no, just the Dreaming and Batman Adventures. Yeah. So, but, I mean, yeah, that's a bloody hefty week. An exciting week though, because it's funny because sometimes no, nothing in it is bad. Nothing's no. there going. Oh, I don't want to read that. Sometimes, like, God damn it. sometimes you get a big week like that, and it'll make you question a couple of those smaller books that you maybe not been as hot on. You're like, okay, there's like 14 books, and okay, I guess these two are the ones that are going to get cut. This is all either. The, so the first like three things are Strange Adventures, which is obviously something we really care about. This, the end of metal, a giant one shot resetting the DC universe, which is fascinating, and then all the future state stuff is all stuff that we want to try. So there's nothing, there's no like weak link of going, hey, that's the thing that we could obviously cut. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing there. Where I'm going, well, I'll just skip that that week. It's like well, I can't miss metal, obviously. Can't miss the eighty page generations. Strange adventures is a given. Although that feels so weirdly out of place with everything else that week. <laughs> That'll, um, that'll be the palate cleanser at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, they will have to be. And then we'll have like 
one of the Batman oversized things, one of the Superman oversized things, whatever whatever it was. It's like, yeah, that's it's going to be an intense week of reading. I'll do a proper schedule there, but that's that's where we stand right now. So, as per usual, solicits took almost an hour. Uh, to be fair, I think as soon as these started coming out this week, I knew this was going to be a long section. Mm-hmm. I knew because this was not easy. You know, this was complicated, like in terms of okay, these are these books, and they're coming out this way, and some are oversized, some are minis, some are one shots. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Because I don't think, do you know, I say some are one shots. I don't think we talked about any one shots. But... No, I think they're all. I think they're all two issues or four issues, and then there's that one weird one that's three issues. There is definitely at least one one shot uh, somewhere because in the the DC announcement, um, so the, the like the Batman family is broken down into oversize and then monthly miniseries. The Superman family was broken down into oversize and then monthly miniseries and one shots. So at least one of those is a one shot. And oh. I'm seeing the uh, Future State uh, Superman versus Imperius Lex, which was the three-issue one. Mm-hmm. Does not seem to be double shipping, because it says it says in brackets the end of this uh, three-issue series ending in March. Uh, oh, okay, the one-shot so... is a uh, Future State House of L, which will be in February. So there's a one-shot to come in February. So there's one, one random one that is lingering into March. There's always one. And it, which it wouldn't even be that weird to me. See, if it was like one of the main ones, like one of the big ones, I'd be like, okay, that's going to be the start of March to like sort of realign things or set things up or something. But this that that one feels so random because it's fairly low down the list. But... It's just the Mark Russell one, which yeah. uh, don't get me wrong, I'm looking forward to it. It's Mark Russell and Steve Pugh. I like Steve Pugh. Uh, weird. But it doesn't feel like the essential book. Weird, weird, weird. But oh well. 2021 is starting off with things happen bang it is is determined to make your wallet hurt at the start of the year like yeah usually people spend less in january because they you know they spend a lot Uh for christmas uh this is determined to make you make you reconsider that next year well on the upside may not have to spend as much in christmas this year with the exception of people you live with you don't necessarily have to i still have to send them gifts (laughs) i have to see them but i still have to send them no i mean just you know Pandemic, less money. Sorry, family. Bye bye. But it's all right for you. You're a single child. I got brothers and stuff <laughs> that I'm not to acknowledge. <laughs> just, just fake your death. It's fine. Tempting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm more than willing to uh, help. Oh, and... I bet you are. I, I would not trust you to to, <laughs> to stick to the fake part. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a trick blade, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> this is trick machete. Don't, don't, don't worry. It's designed to uh, retract. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. So there you go. That is solicits. Future state is coming. Lots going on. Um, I will say I'm fascinated by this. Uh, some of the stuff reminds me actually, even though I never actually got around to reading this, and I will at some point someday. Is it reminds me a little bit when things changed in Superman after New Krypton, where you had Monel as like the acting Superman, and you had Nightwing and Flamebird in the Greg Rucka action comics, and you had mm. uh, Superwoman was in Supergirl. Um, at least the Super part reminds me of that. And then Batman, you know, kind of similar, just on its own corner, doing its own yeah, variations. Yeah, I think what's interesting is 
I would not be surprised to see them return to this universe. Not no. maybe like in in the same way, like you know, pause everything and go to this. But the books that find an audience that resonate with people, some of it might get integrated just into the core line. Uh, but others, we might kind of go, here's a, a mini series set in this world or a one shot. You know, whatever they decide to do, maybe you know, maybe even straight to trade, like uh, you know, Image and others are experimenting with that lately. Uh, you know, the the OGNs. Maybe they'll want to kind of try that a bit more. Uh, kind of almost replace the the Earth One line, which is kind of going nowhere. Kind of maybe try this instead. Uh, maybe uh, I could see it just being like there'll be crossover events where there's some time travel involved. Or let's be honest, this will lately just end up becoming another Earth, so that they can cross over directly with it without it being the future of what our characters are, even though that's what they are right now. It's a possible future. In a couple of years' time, if we see them again, it's probably just going to be an alternate Earth, just to make life easy. <laughs> probably. <laughs> that's uh, what happens. That's okay. That, that's the beauty of the multiverse. Um, I mean, they might even actively shunt them into a separate Earth at the end of this series, mm-hmm. like, yeah, at the end of this event. That might be how they kind of wrap it up. Well, let's talk about comics. we got a decent amount of those to get through. So... Yep. Dark Knight's Death Metal issue 4, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo uh, on the book, of course. And we have... A return to the main book. Return to the main book, although, although and of course, the art's been back. It really doesn't really feel like we've been away, to be honest. The, the, the biggest difference that I can really talk about, barring you barring the artist, is the first like handful of pages <laughs> are a recap, including the one-shots that, that we just read. Yeah, I have to say, uh, I think... <sighs> The Flash and the the Green Lanterns ones, I think, I think they're still essential reading. Don't get me wrong, but I think the one where I felt it the most that it feels like if you hadn't read it, it would be so jarring is the is the Trinity one where they they go off to the crisis. I, no, I agree, and I think we I, I said this uh, if not at the end of the the last one, I definitely said it by the end of Trinity Crisis that it felt particularly important because this you have that you know, two three page recap, uh, the third page has a little bit of recap in each other, the title with the, the map. And then the next page is, it's all white, and it says Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it's like, yeah, you needed to have read that issue, otherwise... Yeah, it would be such a help. jarring jump if you didn't. Um, I kind of expect, at the very least, that to be in the main trade, if not all three of those, and then everything else will be in the companion, before they do the eventual omnibus with everything all... Yeah, if they don't, at least Trinity Crisis in the main trade, um, I think that's unacceptable, frankly. Yeah. Um, even though I'm probably going to transition to just having DC Universe Infinite for the rest of my life and never buying another trade ever again in my life. But that's... <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah, so there that's... are some people who want to own their trades. Yes, the physical trades. Obviously, it would still be an issue. And uh, you're at the mercy of whatever they decide to do. So yeah, Batman's in the Crisis on Infinite Earths world dealing with whatever the anti-monitors morphed into. <laughs> um, so some little yeah. robot-looking kid. And you have Superman in the Final Crisis with our real dark side, who seems to have transported to this this crisis Earth, but and aged at this Earth. Yes, but yes, he's relative to this Earth in the sense that he's been here for like ruling for hundreds of years. Uh, in this context, and I actually just noticed here that he's got Hal Jordan making his stone from. I didn't even notice that the first time I looked through this. Yeah, and he's holding up uh, what seems to be Cassandra Kane Batgirl on on one hand, and uh, Supergirl on the other. Oh, underneath his side. I thought he meant because he's he's holding something yeah, in his sorry, fingertips. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's, yeah. She's sort of dangling from from his uh his wrist. In fact, it's almost like she's the armrest. Is, is what they're being. Yeah, they're, that's, they're what, being that's, his yeah. that's what they're doing. 
Uh, I question why Cassandra Cain's got the the strength to do that. I mean, I get why Supergirl's strong enough to hold up his arm. Uh, well, no, I think it's notable. Supergirl's just doing it with one hand. True, um, true. <laughs> she's obviously strong enough to just hold it. He's not putting a lot of weight down. He's not attacking or anything like that. He's just sitting. So she's strong enough to to hold it uh, with a, with some strain, clearly. But mm. uh, yeah, I, I buy that. Uh, and then you've got Bobo and uh, you know Blue Devil uh, just yeah. off the sides. Yeah, and Darcy's going to throw Superman into this fiery pit. He's got, you know, Red Super, you know, Red Sun Superman, I should say, uh, and some other variants there. Yeah, I thought one of them, I wasn't sure, the one on the left, the the, the symbol looked like Kingdom Come symbol, but obviously he's a lot younger than that Superman yeah. team. Yeah, I, I think they're playing upon that imagery. I don't think it's meant to, I mean, unless someone's going to say this is specifically this story. See, if, if it hadn't been like Kingdom Come, where, uh, not Kingdom, Red Sun, where I you know, explicitly recognize that, I would have assumed they were all kind of just playing on things, but I'm assuming they are all supermen from stories that I'm not familiar with. Uh, meanwhile, though, Wonder Woman has the most interesting, and probably the the what the, the story that this issue really is, is she's at infinite crisis with uh, Superman Prime. Oh, sorry, Superboy Prime, forgive me. Um, say, giving him a bit of credit there. I know. Well, do you know what I love about this story? Is that essentially it's Wonder Woman, because Superboy Prime has been given this world, this, this crisis version where he won... And he's built a world that's based on the superheroes of old. And, you know, Superboy Prime was always this meta thing about, you know, this kid from our world who was a, a fanboy who wanted things to be the way he wanted them to be. And there's actually something kind of heartwarming about the plot of this issue being Wonder Woman convincing him that the whole idea of Superman is to hope, you know, the, the exact line later on is that uh, that's just what Superman is, a shot in the dark. So the issue is essentially her convincing him to help and the idea that you know this thing that you've given into this batman who laughs and these these worlds that are being created this is not what you stand for this is not what you believe in there's a reason why you cared about any of us in the first place there's a reason why you idolize superman and it, it's it's kind of this it's dipping into that meta thing a little bit uh and him sort of being like no you know what you keep messing it up and everything keeps changing so i'm going to have my continuity the way i want it the way things are <laughs> The whole time. Everything's Silver Age, okay? Everything's Silver Age and no one's changing it. I appreciate how true to form this uh, Prime <laughs> is. Um, I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, obviously, we're pretty versed in, in DC history at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, it, all of this is fun for us, right? Seeing the way it's playing with these things. If you've not read some of these crises, especially, uh, I think especially Infinite Crisis here, which is mm -hmm. the most important one for this issue, does this issue work for you, do you think? Or does it just kind of fall completely flat? I think it probably works in the same way that when I read Final Crisis 10 years ago, uh, a lot of it didn't work for me. And I think that's part of the... Not the main line. I think the regular characters in DC typically work almost any time you want to jump in at the start of a run or start of a you know a big story. And DC has a lot of good standalone stories. I think when it comes to the main like events, the crisis, you know, what's, you know, Infinite Earths, Crisis on Infinite Earths, whatever... I think that side of DC, that mythology of what a crisis is, I think that's the wall that's hard to penetrate because I was reading for years before I really started to understand what the hell all that shit was. No, I get it. But <laughs> I think this, this in particular feels probably a bit more egregious to me than Final Crisis does because this this particular story you, has been going for, what, three, four years? You can trace back to, all right, Snyder did Metal, which was pretty accessible, mm -hmm. and then through to No Justice and his Justice League run, and then the first two or three issues of this particular event as well, that's supposed to be the capper to his stuff at DC. I think it's And then kinda... all of a sudden it feels like a big wall's been put up. 
I wouldn't say wall. I, I think this is part of what reading comics is, and it's definitely part of what DC is. And I think the way this works, it's not so much... Think of it less of a wall. I, I do think, yes, there'll be people who have not been reading for that long, and they've maybe read Metal, and they've read his Justice League building up to this, so it's been one saga of that. And they get to this, and it starts to tie in, it starts to reference these big things from DC's past that maybe they don't know. I think that happens in almost every comic. And, you know, these days, all, all this requires is like, okay, let me go read a wiki article on Crisis and Infinite Earths. Let me go read a wiki article on Infinite Crisis and see what that says. What are people talking about? And I think that's how you become in- invested. I, I don't think I would have become invested in wanting to read those stories had they not been brought up in various other things. And there's a little bit of a, like maybe an obstacle to get over as a new reader, but I think if you've been reading this 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 saga that Snyder's been doing since the start of Metal through now, I don't think this is enough to make you go, oh god, I don't get any of this at all now. Like, it's just a hurdle in this one issue, because this one issue focuses heavily on the idea of what Superboy Prime is and what he did and what his goal was at the time. Yeah, I think, um, and again, you know, yes, you can just read a wiki, and that's that's great, you can do that. I think it's uh, this, this isn't like people who have come into comics with the start of metal, like you know, more specifically the start of death metal. Like they haven't jumped on at the, you know issue one of this event, and kind of this is where they've started. And you know, and, and I'm sure some people did, uh, but and and they are naturally going to have hurdles. But you know, just even going back to the, the original metal onwards, you get to this issue, and it's all about okay, it's all these crises, but versions of them where we didn't succeed you have to be inherently familiar with the versions where they did succeed for it to to understand any of those differences it feels like out of nowhere quite a large obstacle to throw up at once i think it works well enough without understanding that though in terms of what the core beat is and i guess what i would say is if you've been reading if let's say you started reading around metal and that was where you started reading dc comics inevitably there's going to be a point at somewhere where the subject of the past crisis are going to come up. And yeah. it's happening this late relatively into this overall grand story that has been going on for, like, what, three years now? Um, At the very least, you're so invested, if you've been reading since the start of the first Metal to this point, that I don't think it's going to throw you off in terms of your enthusiasm for it. And ultimately, I think the assumption is that if you've been reading DC Comics heavily for the last three years there's a good chance you've already maybe started to dabble in at least one of the crises by now. And if you haven't, this is your signpost saying, hey, this is kind of a big part of your DC knowledge that you need. And this is us telling you, yeah, every so often this is going to come up. So either you can just accept that you won't get some of these things or go and do your Yeah, your no, and, 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 and you know, I, I did phrase this as a question, as do you think it works or not? Because I don't know. It's It's hard for me to disassociate i guess to that level because you know the only experience we have is knowing what we do i, I can only go by my own experience in the like, getting into comics and how obtuse and confusing some of the elements were to begin with but typically you start focusing on one character you expand out you expand out and they start referencing things like crisis and whatnot and eventually you're so into the world of dc that you say you know what i want to understand the larger scope i want to know what these things are um and I don't think there's... And if you are a fan, and ultimately I think comic books being so serialized, even though they do try to make it as nearly friendly as possible and have people come into new books and whatnot, ultimately at its core, they're serialized stories that want to reward people for sticking around for long periods of and, time and hardcore and fans. And this is... I mean, not to spoil my thoughts on the book, but this is very rewarding for people like us, right? Yeah, oh yeah, this is... 
if you if you're someone who's been reading since then, don't get me wrong. Some old fans obviously get very jaded with changes. New Fifty Two was a trying time for many of us, <laughs> as as we often talk about. Um, and this is funny because even though like we didn't completely reset everything after the New Fifty Two and fix everything, it's, it's it's worth mentioning that between Metal and Doomsday Clock, the history of the DCU, you know, from every crisis and prior to every crisis, all has all felt more important and part of the the, the larger tapestry through these stories and tackling these things and talking about the first crisis and infinite crisis yeah, and all these things. It's worth knowing it's, it's less of a, we didn't reset after New 52 into Rebirth. We've changed things here or there. You know, we've kind of dabbled and, you know, fixed bits, you know, section by section, a little bit patchworky. But I think it has been more of a focus of um, the pasts all happened rather <laughs> than actually just a hard reset. For the you know in the in the way that we often get after a crisis, and you know given that you know we're going to do it again at some point, it's inevitable. It's not happening though with Future State. They're promising it's not a reboot, but there will be some kind of crisis at some point that even if it's not a complete reboot in the sense that like you know number ones and all that, there's going to be some sort of crisis at some point which does reset parts of continuity. It's going to inevitably happen. I, I do feel that as much as they say it's not a reboot, all I hear is don't call it a reboot. <laughs> and, well, I, I and, and while numbering will continue and some runs will continue i would not be surprised if there are some reasonably sizable yeah. continuity shifts between metal and future state it's possible i i do remember when the re- was the first ever rebirth teaser came out i do remember one of the posters saying it's not a reboot and it never was or something to that effect and that is technically true yeah, I mean, it's kind of... I mean, if you think about what Doomsday Clock ended up getting to with the metaverse, in a weird way, it almost feels like Johns was teasing that with... You know, if, if he if he had any say in what went on that teaser poster that said it was it's not a reboot and it never was, it could actually tie in because he knew what he was eventually going to say with Doomsday Clock. Because he was clearly already like... You know, because he'd already written Rebirth issue 1 at the very least at that point, so he knew that he was doing Watchmen stuff. Which, which is why he may have had some say on that yeah. teaser poster, because he was pretty involved back at the start of Rebirth. And if nothing else, it's, it's something that at least so far via Death Metal and these other things that we're doing now has stuck from Doomsday Clock is the idea that, no, every time we reset, the things that happened before the crisis still count in some fashion and the characters do start to remember things. Now, admittedly, we're getting to a point now where so many characters are, me- are remembering multiple lives, it's kind of weird. Like, Iris remembers multiple versions well, of her life. Lois remembers multiple kind of. of from what we understand, was the driving motivation behind 5G was to tidy up the timeline. <laughs> Uh, so if, if Future State obviously doesn't you know, reboot and fix things in the same way that 5G was just going to change things, it wouldn't surprise me if it has the same <clears> goal <throat> in terms of tidying mm. the timeline for our characters. Very possible, very possible. Uh, so the flashes are running, just to get back to the book. <laughs> from uh, Yeah, it was a bit of a tangent. From whatever. Um, Robin King's dragging the whatever's left of Jonah Hex. Just, just kind of the head, mostly. I did like a little touch here, actually. Uh, Robin King's trying to wind up Harley by pointing out that, you know, like, superheroes, their their darkest fears are always evil versions of themselves. Supervillains, their darkest fears are always, you know, heroic versions of themselves. And if you never ask yourself why there's never a Harley Quinn who laughs, it's because you are a villain and there is no bad version of you because you are the bad version. Is essentially what he's saying to rile mm. her up. And obviously, I don't necessarily believe that is to be true, but it is an effective thing that you're saying to uh, yeah, get, her, get I, under I, her skin. I like it as well, and it makes the point of he, he acknowledges they choose which heroes slash villains they bring to this earth. You know, they don't recruit the ones they don't feel useful. 
and maybe they didn't recruit more evil Harleys because they wanted to get under Harley skin like this. So, mm. you know, that, that's maybe something they did. Oh, it's very possible. Uh, then he whips out his hammer, which apparently the Harley on his air tried to kill him with, so he's... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's obviously he calls it a mallet, which I think is, is the definition... Is mallet just a wooden hammer? But it was a little bit underwhelming compared to the mallets that we typically associate Harley with, with the, the big, uh, oversized, comical ones. Well, I, th I think that's the point, is it might be more visceral, like it's more just like a, a, an actual hammer, which feels more violent than a big mallet, because even if, okay, the big mallet would probably still hurt if you get hit with it. It's, it's more cartoony, yeah, isn't it? It's, it's, it's kind of roadrunner. It's comical, whereas if I walked if I walked into a room holding like a regular hammer saying, I'm going to hit you with this, it would immediately just be more intimidating, because it looks fucking, you know, painful, and I just swore. Not like it would be intimidating coming from you, but... <laughs> Do I have to hit you over the head with a hammer to you, make you, uh, what, all I'm saying is you threaten me too often I'm numb to it now the, the, the thread's worn off mm. alright well an F-bomb slipped through and I'm not going to find it to edit it out so we're just going to have to accept that it's there uh <laughs> get one right that's, that's, the, that's the rules that's PG-13 I suppose um so uh yeah so Superboy Prime's got Wonder Woman strapped into the uh the tuning fork the big cosmic tuning fork as we do um Darkseid says Superman is and then crushes the the Alfred box yeah and the anti-monitor is kind of just separating Batman un undoing Batman <laughs> yeah, is, just, is the word I want to use it's what apart uh, so basically, Wonder Woman and convincing Superboy Prime to help, which we kind of mentioned earlier, the, the you know the believing what Superman is and convincing him to do the right thing, which I like the idea of that the Superboy Prime in some form can actually be convinced. Still, he's not a complete lost cause. Yeah, uh, and I like that, that Superboy Prime isn't inherently just a villain. He he's a, I mean, the whole point of him was always you know the you know the warped fanboy, right? He just yeah. wants his thing. The idea that. Oh, maybe you can still appeal to those people as, oh, no, you can recognize your thing in this version. Well, I, I think that the hope in a broader sense is that the warped asshole, you know, 14-year-old fanboy can still grow up and be a man someday and still be a better person eventually, right? One yeah. day he might grow up, right? If that's what he represents. So Yeah, and I, I like it here where she can show, you know, this version of Superman and be like, no, maybe it's not exactly the Superman that you know, that you love, that you remember, but you can recognize the the key ideals, the point, and that's enough that, you know, they, they can keep you going through those reboots. Yeah, so, which again feels very meta. It's like it's appealing to us. Uh, any, any time you bring Superboy Prime into it, it, yeah. it inherently gets meta. Um, but basically, you know, she says, you know, you altered reality once just by punching it. <laughs> like, why don't you do that again? Why don't you fix this and get us all the power we need so we can, like, you know, save the the multiverse? This is where I really felt bad for anyone who wasn't yeah. familiar with, with with this original story. Well, it, yeah. does, it does that thing. It does that thing where he's got her pinned down by the neck. His his fist comes up, and it's obviously. And I was caught, sort of smirking as it was happening because I knew it was going to do that thing where instead of punching her, it's going to punch. He's going to punch behind her and essentially punch reality so hard. And, and, and that, we don't see the the punch land. You just see yeah. the shattered images of yeah, it's the, the other the other crises it's the cliffhanger yeah so it's, it's a big moment that yeah it probably doesn't make a ton of sense if you're not familiar with the whole punching reality uh you know past of superboy prime <laughs> but uh you know but you know superman and batman are there with with superboy prime and wonder woman and they're coming back they've got the cube they they beam it into wally but something's not quite worked it's not it's not it's not happening and the flashes look exhausted because obviously they've been running yeah uh wally looks 
like almost dead, sat on that chair. Yeah. He's, he's in red again in the, the end here. Not what not. He is, yeah. yeah. It's uh, and then it's like, no, the Batman who laughs, the Darkest Knight rigged it so that the power from the chair would just conduit to him. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a cheap twist, but at the same time, if we're going into the idea that Batman always plans, the idea that the evil Batman would also always plan, and, and you know... Kind of makes sense. Yeah. So it ends with him saying, no, I am going to usurp Perpetua, I'm going to make my own multiverse, welcome to the last 52, to be continued. Kind of low. Again, we knew the last 52 was a thing, because yeah. it's a, a one-shot, I think, is coming up by that name. Um, but the idea that this is his last 52 Earths in existence, mm -hmm. uh, and this, this warped perception of the, the new 52 again, you and, know, to do it from the villain, you know, is, I, I, it's kind of great. I feel like we left behind the feeling of the new 52 a long time ago. I think Rebirth, you know, well, it didn't change everything. It successfully got me out of what the feeling of the new 52 was. So I didn't really need this. But it does kind of feel like a last middle finger at the new 52. Like, okay, we're doing the last 52 to say goodbye to that shit. Go away. It does. It feels like, you know, we saw a lot in this review how Rebirth wasn't a direct reboot. It didn't automatically change the continuity of the, of the new 52. We were technically still in that universe, but it's it's felt like a different era of comics, mm -hmm. uh, which is what matters more than the continuity, ultimately. And um, But this here does feel like, no, this is, you know, one final kind of, I won't say goodbye, that's been a bit generous, but, you know, FU might be closer. Yeah. So, no, nah, it's a good issue. Uh, I mean, I think I think the last like five or six pages are some of the best stuff this series has done. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it maybe follows a little bit, just in the sense that it's just bouncing between all the characters, and there's not really a lot of advancement. It's just kind of the building up to the big moment where Wonder Woman's able to like you know talk prime into this, and then the outcome of it. But that outcome and that that sort of acceleration from those that last chunk of the issue is fantastic. Uh, and it feels really rewarding as a as a as a long term DC fan, and you know I, I was not apathetic at this event. I, I, I wasn't that like well, cautious. I think would be a fair uh, word to what you were. Uh, maybe cautious. I, more just I expected that I would still enjoy it, much like the first metal, but I wasn't expecting to love it. And I think that this for me is outshone that first metal so far. I, I I'm a bigger fan of the original metal than you were by quite a margin and i would agree with that but it's far outshone it in that yeah you know, the, the original metal was a lot of fun I, I loved what it was for what it was but I this feel, is inherently bigger yeah i feel like this is the first metal was about snyder just doing this crazy story and playing with these toys and then as connor's drunk in this uh gets his no that was just i moved one coaster out of the way because it was an empty glass and i didn't quite move it far enough so, so when i put down the other glass i, I clinked them Whenever I hear clinking coming from you, I'm just assuming lots and lots of whiskey bottles just toppling over each other. No, no, all, all the whiskey bottles are down this side. This oh. this was just, it was the glass that I've just finished, that had the old-fashioned, and then this just glass of regular store-brand Coke. With whiskey? Uh, no, there's no booze in this. I don't believe you. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but, yeah, no, what I would say is that the first metal felt like it was Snyder playing with all his toys and doing his weird thing. This story, it feels like an actual crisis. And even, even though the first one did have some crisis elements, and we said maybe it should have been called Dark Crisis, which it was kind of rumored to be at one point. Uh, but this one actually does feel like it's a big DC crisis level event. I mean, as they're calling it, the Anti-Crisis, which I think is a cool title. If anything, I almost feel like they could have just called... I mean, maybe not this one, because Death Metal is a cool name, but I almost feel like there could have been an event at some point called the Anti-Crisis, and it would have been... There probably could have been. And, and yeah, I agree with everything you just said there like you know like that first metal was snyder having fun and you know 
again, we, we refer to it as a crisis, and it was doing those sort of level of events, but it was doing it almost tongue-in-cheek. It was kind of just having fun with it, whereas this feels like a more serious, legitimate attempt at a crisis. Plus, it's uh, also bringing in things, you know, a little bit of Doomsday Clock here, a little bit of these other things there. You know, he's actually having to set up stuff for the, the rest of the universe. It's not going to be him doing it afterwards. Because that was the thing at the end of Metal. I was like, okay, I'm setting up No Justice and then into Justice League, which is all me! I'm doing all this. I'm just setting up my own things. And, and, and credit to him, it's been a pretty cohesive story. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, I mean, I know you haven't loved all of it, but it has flowed it's, it's from element to element. It could definitely have been much worse. I mean, as much as I'm not always completely in love with these Justice League, there was definitely high points throughout, and I was never completely miserable with it. It's not... Yeah. You know, um, so... No, Death Metal Issue 4 is a solid middle chapter and has me hyped for the, the last three and however they're going to somehow, you know, get out of this. And all the remaining one-shots still left to come. I feel like there's still probably quite a few. There is. I'm pretty sure January, uh, not January, sorry, November and December are still quite... In fact, there's even going to be more this month, I assume. I might remember. Well, but, there's at least one this month. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's rate the book. What are you giving Death Metal for? Uh, it's uh, an 8.5 from me. I want to give it a 9. Oh, bold. I think I'm going to give it a 9. Yeah, Death Metal 4. Not a perfect issue, but goddamn, the highs are high. So, and obviously the art's very good. It's Capullo. This is the weird thing. It's when the same artist every time, you eventually get to a point where there's nothing left to say. <laughs> he's he's not doing any new tricks. He's not doing anything... I think this, the, the scene pacing to the you know the punch and then like flipping the page and just seeing the reality shatter is really good scene building in terms of you know it, it is but like the thing is this is what I expect from Capullo all the time anyway so you know he's not surprising me he's not above and beyond but Capullo's standard anyway is so high in his storytelling that you know him just being standard is still really great and above average for from you know what I expect from most artists frankly. Wonder Woman 764, Mariko Tamaki writing with Steve Pugh on the art, or Steve Pugh, as I have typoed on my list. How uh, unacceptable of you. The B and the V right next to each other, that's a common typo, right? It's a common... Just, just don't, don't disservice the, these wonderful artists like, like that. Look, keep it to yourself. Steve, I'm sure, would find humour in the situation. Complete accent. So... Uh, we have a new status quo in Wonder Woman where Max Lord is working with her and we get this uh, odd little one-off story here about them going to investigate someone and uh, it goes for this kind of like pulpy 80s vibe. Uh, the story's called The Amazing Adventures of Darren uh, Hondor, which apparently is a TV detective that Maxwell Lord looks a lot alike because everyone keeps thinking he's this guy. Uh I get the impression, though, there might be something to this where maybe something these daughters done to make everyone it, think. It feels like it's setting something up, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and to continue the, uh, the, you know, the the 80s vibe there, the title is, you know, that, The, the Amazing Adventures of Darren Hondo or Miami and Miami or Bust. Yeah, so they're going for this uh, cheesy 80s vibe. They're in Miami. Uh, you know, he's got the shades on and all that. Uh, it I'll... feels notable that this is com coming out around the time when Wonder Woman 84 should have been coming out. <laughs> that's a good point actually yes with, with max lord as well you know it was supposed to be out this month yes it has been pushed to december it'll probably get pushed again given yeah patty jenkins seemed pretty insistent that it wasn't going to but i don't buy that for a second yeah i don't know what they're going to do because even didn't get pushed a whole goddamn year basically so 
which which knocked on Batman as well, right? Yeah. Well, with Batman, I assume because they keep having to like take pauses in production, so I assume that that maybe was just going to get pushed back anyway because of probably. They they threw Dune on its date, so yeah. Uh, But yeah, but I wonder if the reason why they picked Batman's date is because Batman was going to get pushed, so they thought, okay, we'll put that in Batman's date now that that's opened up, and then we'll put Batman (laughs) on this date. Very possible. And so on and so on. Uh, That's just no movies. Release Green Knight, you cowards. Uh, Connor's mad at 824, apparently. So. Really am. Yeah, so they're looking for this guy. They've got a contact to meet in the beach. And there's a fun scene in the the, the restaurant as well beforehand. Uh, But they're there to meet this guy in the beach who's got a blue and white towel. And it's, this is an issue of basically Maxwell Lord just getting annoyed at humans, essentially. <laughs> he's just annoyed over and over again. And he's pissed off that like they're looking for someone with a blue and white towel, but the towel that the hotel that they just came out of sell are all blue and white. So everyone has a blue and white towel. So he's livid. And then they find this guy, and the guy immediately is like, you know what, I'm not going to waste time pretending anything. I'm just here to kill you. <laughs> Freelance superhero killing. It's the, the, the new game. So... And- Brings up some robots out the sea. Well, I think, importantly, they're like aqua robots. They've got like... I don't know if it's meant to be... It's, it's like it's like they've got like glass suits. That, that are kind of like, it's, it's like they're deep sea suits for these robots that are kind of, dare I say, creature from the Black Lagoon-esque in their shape and demeanor. It kind of... It almost looks like... Um, like, you know, like when Mirror or Jackson you know, controls the water. Oh, almost. It almost looks like a hard water shell around the exoskeleton. Yeah. I think it's glass, though, just from looking at it. Like, if you look at that two-page I mean, spread... I, mean, it, I, I hope it's tempered glass, at the very least. Otherwise, this is a nice, easy job for Wonder Woman. I, I assume... It, oh, I'm, I'll, I'll say glass. Maybe it's more of a, a plastic than a glass. Uh, It'd be very economically unfriendly, but sure. He's a supervillain. What, what, what? Well, I mean, supervillain's <laughs> been a bit generous to this guy, I think. Okay. He's a wannabe villain, okay? Yeah, I'll give you that, yeah. Uh, but he's built a robot, and then there's also the 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 woman robot who's got like a the metallic arm and the leg and mm. part of her face, which definitely does not look water. Uh, I will say, yeah, no, it uh, doesn't. But yeah, so there's a bit of facing like some gorgeous uh, you know layouts here. I mean, we, you know, the artist here obviously isn't is a different artist again. This is a you know Pew, uh, who I think does a pretty good job. I think the overall issue is a like a fun vibe to it. I think the the action once it starts, you know that two page spread that I mentioned before where they're coming out of the water, uh, it does feel big. I love the clean uh, colors, all that stuff. Um, it's not a complete, you know, it's not yarning from the first couple of issues. Don't get it, me wrong. It's but... not. I think my my biggest problem with Pew is is the the odd face that looks a bit funny, especially on Diana. I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's it's one of these weird things though. I think the overall aesthetic though is so strong that I don't mind it as much. Uh, than. Mm. You know, than other books, because because the action and everything feels so clean and fun, and it feels big and bold. It feels like a summer adventure uh, that even results with Wonder Woman calling in a big shark uh, to help out with the uh, one of the uh, one of the megalodons that protects the mascara, I believe. Which is, yeah, I don't I remember the last time that was referenced. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was kind of half expecting like Aquaman to like pop out at the end to say that's who she co- that's the friend she called was Aquaman, and then end. it's a big shark. Yeah, because. Yeah, I think those megalodons are from Gail Simone's Wonder Woman run, actually. Mm. Uh, yes. I don't remember the last time they were referenced. Uh, m- maybe it happened in some of the, you know, the, the Orlando stuff that we weren't reading. Oh, maybe, admittedly. Yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been a long time since that's been brought up. Because once we saw the, the, the shark, I was expecting like, Aquaman to pop out from behind the fin. It's like, it's like he's controlling the shark and she called in Aquaman to help. Mm. Uh, but, no, it's, uh, 
Well, it's the Meg. It's the Meg. Jason Statham's not far behind. Uh, <laughs> it's one of. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I do, but I just I just want to make it clear they have a whole swarm of these protecting the island, not just one. Yes, yes, yes. This is very impressive. Very impressive. Um, notice, no, notably, Maxwell Lord keeps the phone that the uh, the villain had uh, later yeah, on. Yeah, he made him hand it over to you know just just little bits like that. And but, he is calling someone about his daughter. He's like saying, you know, what are you doing? You know, you're keeping care of her kind of thing. Like, what are you doing? And whoever's on the other end is like doing whatever Max wants to. You know, upper dosage. Uh, you know, like he's killing. I, I, I get the idea here that like we're not really sure if it's something nefarious or, but we're definitely thinking it could be because it, he's it Maxwell. It sounds Lord. like it, and the way this is presented, you know, he's like, you know, the, the guy on the other end of the phone's like, "What do you want me to do?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, keep her there and keep her control. Do what you're paid to do. Uh, and and then we see it looks you know like it's just a, a hospital almost is is where we see mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the, this doctor is on the phone to which presents the idea that maybe this isn't sinister maybe it's like no you you got to keep a control like it's a, it could be you could read this as a genuine request but because it's Max Lord we assume it's not yeah and gonna... then he does follow this up by making a guy call himself scum yes well he's been bothered by people that's just something we've established. Uh, and it just kind of ends with Wonder Woman kind of like looking out at the sunset and wondering, like you know, she, you know, she she can't trust Max Lord, but she's kind of stuck in this place where she has to work with him. Uh, mm. So it's kind of like I had a lot of fun with this issue. I, I think it's not like a super important one. I don't think on its own, um, other than maybe just really establishing the working relationship between them to sort of set up what they're doing. But uh, I had a fun time. The whole, you know, it had that that that, that uh, Tamaki pacing and the dialogue. It's, I think um, it flowed very it- well. There's a line of dialogue in there uh, where you know, Max Lord calls out her outfit because she's wearing like a kind of you know traditional you know ancient Greek style dress thing. Yes, and he's like you're supposed to be you know undercover you know incognito. And she's like it's Miami. And he's like this is not what they wear in Miami. And she goes yeah, Miami's a state of mind, and I kind of felt that permeating through the issue, kind of that you know what the intention of that was. You know, kind of the mm. the fun pulpy kind of sheen felt like that's what the tone of the issue was uh, the the entire time um which i really liked yeah i enjoyed the montage of the beach of max lord just sort of like getting angry at various people there's like a, it's like a four panel page where he's just yelling it's like come on as he's, he's yeah. witnessing people around there's, the beach there's a lot of little things like that there's um like diana's hair you know she's got it all up in like you know some fancy do whatever but then after the fight you know obviously it's all the water it all comes loose and there's just a panel of her kind of wringing it out and tying it back a little bit uh, you know, and it's you know different to how it was for the rest of the issue. Mm. Just little things like that, like almost like this continuity that never really gets considered in a lot of superhero comics. Uh, I like the coloring. I mean, I mentioned how clean it was, and I, I like that about uh, the art in general. But in particular, in the last page, I like that they're going with these like uh, these more purple hues. It definitely gives it more of a Miami feel because it it, yeah. it looks like you're you know you're like Miami Vice like sort of cover or something like that. That's yeah, what they're going it's, for. It's really nice. It's like you know the the sun's just starting to set and it's had the glow on the on the the ocean, but it is that very purple orange sort of thing that it's got going that does feel ultra Miami. Yeah. So, uh, what are you giving Wonder Woman? Uh, I am going to give it a straight eight. Um, yeah, I'll agree with that. Straight eight for Wonder Woman for me. I think for me, this was actually my favorite issue since the first one. Uh, it may be for me as well, but I like the last ones more than you did. But uh, mm. this is the sort of stuff I love. I love that they will set up the status quo. This weird, awkward working relationship is a really fun, you know, thing to have for a while for for this run. Yeah, uh, I'm down for it. It may give uh, it may give their relationship a new dynamic that we've never had before. So, 
Uh, a lot of potential there. So, Superman, issue 26, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, with Ivan Reese on the on the art. Uh, you read the last issue. So you, did, were you not excited enough to come back and find out? The the last issue of this, which I, I, sh- I should point out, you and Matt also universally agreed was one of the worst issues of the book. I don't know if we went that far, but sure, we had we had critiques, yes. Some pretty major problems. Yes. Oh yeah, I think you had another point to make. That's why I was I was. Oh, you've muted yourself. That's what's happened. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, you're back. Now. <laughs> that, that was a that was a hardware glitch. Uh, look, some pretty major problems in in the last issue that you two would also not a fan of. So why would I come back for this? Yeah, more curious. I don't know. Uh, there's a hint at the start of the book uh, with Superman fighting the you know the villain that was introduced last issue. Uh, chaos happening, but we then jump back and you know it's you know for all the critiques of the last issue, which almost entirely. I mean, you had some other critiques, but me and Matt, all of our critiques were entirely on how they chose to introduce the villain. And it was all that stuff that was sort of, you know, heavily featured throughout the whole issue. Here, and the stuff that I love what Ben's does with Superman is all the character pieces, all the little moments. Superman talking to Lois about going to see Dr. Fate for therapy and talking about how stressed he is. And they have this really romantic little moment about how she kind of like stabilizes him. And he, she's always done that for him ever since he met her. Uh, and they have this romantic little beat. And he, you know, he hears, you know, Kal-X like, sends a hologram into the room. He's like, hey, there's something. It's Fortress. You must come. <laughs> and Lois is cracking wicked, witty banter throughout. Uh, but basically, something's coming towards the Earth. And it's the villain, right? He's just making a beeline for it. But he's, he's got 14 hours before it gets there. So he goes to wake up Jimmy, who's been staying in the Fortress uh, for the last little bit. Uh, that's That's been previously established. And says okay let's go back to the planet and you know this deals with more of the stuff some of my favorite stuff that bennis has done is the whole revealing who he is and just how characters interact and and how they respond to it and we have jimmy here still calling him superman he's like hey you can call me clark you know and he's like yeah i don't know i didn't feel right and he's like what about cal and he's like ah that's even weirder kind of thing but when he goes back to the planet um and he i think it's lombard who comes up and it's basically, are we safe, like, with you here? Like, you know, go on, like, you know, like, how, and one of the arguments that kept coming up before was that everyone kind of knew people who Superman cared about were at the planet anyway, so it doesn't really make that much of a difference. And, but Superman, he reveals that there's actually some some tech that's been installed in the building, uh, much like the, the Hall of Justice and a couple of other key locations. He says that it's been designed to withstand certain things because it's a prime target. Uh, and the only place that's safer on Earth is maybe the Batcave, uh, to which, you know, I think, uh, is it Trish or someone? No, it's that Slumbar who says, okay, what's a Batcave? <laughs> I doesn't know what a Batcave is. Which, I have to ag- agree, sometimes I actually dislike how, like, average citizens seem to know what a Batcave is in the, in the context of Batman, because why would they know that he's got a cave full of stuff? I get why the other heroes know about it, they've been there, or they've heard about I mean- it. I think it's relatively self-explanatory as well, though, in context of sure. the situation here. Like, they yeah. might be like, wait, he hasn't? Like, you know, that's the name of it, but it, it, it kind of functionally explains yeah. itself. Well, yeah, but this works, because they're not even talking about Batman. He just mentions Batcave oh, okay. kind of, like, offhand. Oh, fair enough, then. Because he's just talking about safe locations, and he's like, what's a Batcave? <laughs> you know, outside of just being a cave for bats, which is the obvious answer to that question. Um, but... So it's got all these little things with them kind of like questioning and being worried and 
he brings up the Lana interview. Trish is mad that he gave an interview to her instead of uh, herself. But then, of course, this being is arriving on Earth. It's coming straight for the planet, <laughs> making the, the previous conversation about it being safe kind of funny. Um, but he, you know, rips open the shirt, flies off to deal with it. And everyone's like, I'm still not used to that. And there's some gorgeous, like, layouts here of Superman flying into space and, like, sort of taking this thing head on. Um, and he tries to communicate. He's, he tries to communicate verbally. He says in his mind, like, I'm opening my mind up telepathically, you know, so you can, if you're, if you're a telepath, there's no blocks, you can communicate with me. He tries multiple languages. There's a gorgeous page of them falling through the clouds in the sky. And they're basically going straight for the Daily Planet building, right? And it's it's kind of this thing where all of the concern in the previous sequences was all about them thinking, are we safe being here with everyone knowing that you're Superman and you're in the building? And they're falling straight for the, the globe. And then we turn the page and everyone in the building is all ducked for cover. And they're like, wait, nothing's happened. We're okay. What's going on? And then we cut to the Phantom Zone. So something that was put into the Daily Planet recently uh, is that... Kind of like a, a seatbelt, I guess, or maybe not a seatbelt, like a, like a, like a the, the airbag in a car, where if there's something that's going to hit the planet, that's the impact's enough to destroy it or causes like a revert, you know, d- damage that would be too much and kill everyone inside. Basically, there's like an automatic like portal to the Phantom Zone that's going to open <laughs> to save it. <laughs> so Superman and the villain from last issue, whose name I cannot remember, and it's not mentioned here, so just alien dude from last issue, uh, are in the Phantom Zone. And again, he tries to communicate. He talks to it in multiple Earth languages. He tries Kryptonian. He tries everything he can. Uh, but the cliff fire is just this this thing. He's really strong, fires a blast of energy at him and has him pinned down to be continued. Um, I enjoy this issue a lot. I think the action is really fun just because the art's so good. Uh, it doesn't bog down in who this villain is, which is why the last issue was such a slog to get through. But my favorite stuff, as always, is the quiet moments with Lois. It's the quiet moments with Jimmy and the others in the, the planet. Them reacting to who he is. We're still dealing with the fallout of, like, them knowing who he is. The fact, the fact that he even walks out of the planet without glasses on. He's just, you know, he walks in, and, you know, in a shirt and tie, but he's not got glasses on. And I think one of them says, wait, why are you wearing a suit? And he's like, because I'm at the office. This <laughs> is my day job. I'm not, wearing my, I'm not wearing a Superman suit here. That's, that's not inappropriate. What are you talking about? So, all that stuff I really enjoy. And I think this was a, a nice bounce back after the last issue, which I do think... I loved a lot of stuff last issue, but the, everything with the alien introduction, just... It was, like, something that could have been done in, like, two or three pages that droned on with tons and tons of, like, bubbles and text for a whole subplot that didn't need to be a whole subplot. Uh, so, you know. Uh, I, I'm far more positive on this issue of Superman and uh, I'm excited to see how this is, because we know this is kind of going to be the last arc now, at least it seems to be given that he's ended his run I, th- yeah. I think it is, I think yeah. the in the solicits it kind of still had this is a, something mm. to do with the House of L was the title of the arc I think um, that's the, the, end, the, the name of the last arc so I think okay. it is that uh, so, yeah, very good uh not much more positive. I, I would happily give this a strong 8 out of 10. Uh, but Superman, uh, if you like Bendis' typical style, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, so, there you go. The Flash 763, uh, Kevin Shinnick and Clayton Henry on the art. Uh, this is, of course, a fill-in uh, 
art, uh, writer, even. Uh, artist as well, I suppose, technically, but, I mean, <laughs> it's uh, less of a, a point to make in this one, I guess. What's interesting about this is I assume this was going to be, like, a two-parter or something, because the, the writers are for, like, two issues, right? Uh, I don't know. Is Flash tying into Endless Winter stuff? It is, yeah. So it's only got a couple issues, and then... A handful, yeah. Yeah, uh, four tops, I think. Um, but it's actually quite. St- I mean, it does tease the next issue at the end, but it's it's a pretty standalone story. It is, say. yeah. Um, I, I also I, I groaned on the very first the very first panel. Hey, I read the preview and I was like, I don't know if I want to read this. <laughs> like because... the, the very first panel talks about yeah the anniversary of his mother's death. I was like, oh, not again. <laughs> do, do, do I need this? No, I, I will concur that I I did get a little worried when we started talking about this uh, again. Um, so, so I actually I did enjoy this story for the most part. I have, I d- I'm I'm not always in love with the art. I'll say that. Uh, the faces are a bit in the the overly caricature side. side. Yeah, uh, not in love with those. So what's weird about it is that the story is basically about how he speeds off and then realizes after a while that his ring is gone. Someone has basically pickpocketed his ring, <laughs> uh, from him, and it's about him looking for his ring. And it really it's important to him. And Iris is like, well, can I just make a new one? And he's like, no, I can't. Even though we're all thinking, yeah, well, you probably could. Uh, so obviously it has some sort of sentimental value, which obviously at the end of the story, he, he reveals to Iris what that value is. But what I liked about this is that it was just going for a fun story uh, with a bit of heart at the end. Uh, it involved Trickster. And I kind of liked the, the start of the Trickster stuff where it's like, Trickster's like, no, no, I've not done anything criminal. I, I've opened a, a, you know, a beachside attraction where people can get some I'm food. A legitimate businessman, I think. What he called, yeah. what does he say? Yeah, he gets more money selling overpriced chicken wings than, than yeah. he does in crime. And he's, you know, it's like an arcade, sells some fast food. And Flash goes in, and there's like a one of those grabber, you know, machines that says like, "Win the Flash's ring." And it's like, okay, <laughs> so somehow Trickster swiped the ring, and is in this arcade machine. And I was like, okay, this is kind of amusing. It's kind of funny what, what they're tackling with this. My problem with this story, though, is that it kept adding more layers to it that I didn't think it needed to add. Because after this, it's like, okay, then he's got supervillains bidding on what Flash is going, to, like how quickly Flash can do things, and then it becomes a VR thing where they're not actually there, and it's other people yeah. with goggles. I don't think it was supervillains bidding on things; it was just regular people bidding on how quickly he do. Okay, things. so it was regular people bidding on how he's doing things, but then there was supervillains showing up. But then it turned out the supervillains were actually just VR. And it was like and, regular people with VR goggles on pretending to be the Riddler and these other smart yeah, characters. Yeah, they're playing a game and they're, they're yeah. using them as the characters to try and outsmart Flash. And and it, yeah, it kept adding things. I'm like, just stop, slow down. Yeah, because it it, I, I thought the voice for Barry and the pacing of the dialogue in the story was... Because this was a, a first-time writer for me. I'd never written, read anything, anything by this writer. And as I was realizing, oh, this actually has a quite good flow to it you know, from the writing point of view. The only problem I have with it is conceptually is that it kept adding more things to make it more complex. I'm like, no, honestly, when this was just the trickster has his ring in an arcade machine, that was amusing, and I was into that story. <laughs> Go back to that, please. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, <laughs> there was a handful of things that fell a little bit off in the dialogue. Um, like, at the end, when he gets back, and mm. I was just like, oh, I forgot it was that day. And and he's like, well, maybe now we can also think of it as the day he got his ring back. It's like, Barry, mate, you ain't remembering this in a year's time. No. Um, and also, there was a weird coloring issue on that particular panel. Uh, he's, he's holding the ring up, and it's it's red uh, on the top instead of white. And it's you know, repeatedly showed it, even the the page before. Uh, oh, sure. White. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's a bit odd. Um, 
Yeah, it just keeps adding more things. We find out the reason why the ring means so much to him, you know, beyond just it having his suit in it, because he can make more of those, obviously, is that he actually made it out of his mother and his father's wedding rings. Uh, he, he, you know, he, he fused them together, made the ring out of that, so it's got a lot of sentimental value. Uh, and you know, it's it's one of those things where we keep going back to you know the death of his mother, or we keep going back to the death of you know the Waynes or, or whatever. We do this a lot in comics, and that part does make me groan a little bit. But given that most of it is just a fun, let's find the ring story, I'm into that idea. It just gets far too complex, you know, because it, when it showed up, there was like, wait, Riddler's here and Prankster and like. I'm like, what? What? Where are these all come from? This feels like extreme for this little mini plot. It, it was like, it kept trying to throw a new twist into the story, like, every three I, pages. <laughs> I almost appreciated that, oh no, they're not real, because I was because I was questioning, I was like, why are these all involved here? Yeah. And it felt weird, and then, and then it was like, oh, they're, they're not. I was like, oh, okay, but then I'm like, but now we're doing VR? Yeah, and I went back to the bidding, because they were still bidding stuff by making them do stuff with the, the, the fake villains, so I mean... It was one of those things where I kind of appreciated the audacity of it by a point where I'm like, I started laughing at how much was been added, but I, st- I stopped like enjoying it as a story at that point and just this, started laughing at how crazy it was. It could have been a three-issue arc on its own, with each one of these things getting its <laughs> own issue dedicated to it. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, so he explains all this to Iris, sweet enough moment, you know, it's all right. Um, and then at the end, you know, because they were teasing Dr. Alchemy before, uh, so this is just the, at the end, Dr. Alchemy's like, yes, I'm going to strike now. Next issue. <laughs> pretty much that's pretty much it uh like i say art not particularly to my taste and how it, how the artist draws faces particularly i think i think i like it more than you do i'm i've i've read enough of clayton henry's stuff now that i've kind mm-hmm. of uh adjusted uh, I'm, I'm just kind of used to seeing his you know long foreheads yep. uh elongated flash helmet in, you know in the thing i've kind of just gotten used to it it varies page to page because I think the last page with uh, Doctor Alchemy, I thought that, I think that looks fine. That's a fine page. I have nothing wrong with that page. Yeah, I think it's it's usually particularly noticeable uh, when Barry's got the 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 cowl on, and it's a front facing shot. It can look like his head's really long, or if he's running and he's got his head down, it feels like it goes back too far. Um, I do think Iris's face always looks a little bit off. Sometimes it's worse than others. There's one really bad example early on in the book when he's with her at the, the farmer's market. Uh, which she's making him do because he dragged her to a, an arcade lunch. <laughs> which is where he lost the ring. Which is where he lost the ring, yes. Because uh, it was swiped. I do like the idea yeah. of someone being able to swipe Barry's ring off of him without him noticing, even though he should be able to sense that because he's the Flash and everything's hyperspeed and whatnot. You, you would think he just wasn't paying attention. He, he mm-hmm. was too busy worrying about his wings. Yes. Uh, I suppose that makes sense some, in a way. No, I mean, everyone gets distracted by wings. What are you giving Flash? Uh, I'm giving it a 6.5. It's solid. Uh, it's enjoyable enough, but it's it's mired in just a handful of things that just drag it down for me. Yeah, I'll probably just go to a straight 6. I, I, think, I, I don't regret it reading it. There's some fun stuff in there. Uh, some nice ideas, but there's also it's, too many ideas uh, that love the art. So It's also the sort of book where if the next couple of issues are coming out on busy weeks, uh... Maybe I won't read this until the the endless winter issues. Who knows? Um, but I, but also, if it's a quieter week, I'm not opposed to, to reading it either. Sure, sure. Uh, all right, Hogman issue twenty eight. Robert Vendetti writing with Fernando Passarin on the art. We'll take it away. Yeah, I'm I'm going to start by saying I had forgotten because I in, in my head for a reason twenty eight was the final issue. I'm pretty sure it's twenty nine. Um, because like it was getting towards the last third of the issue, I'm like. 
how the hell is this wrapping up? Like, there's there's no time left to do anything. How is this going to end? Don't don't tell me the the book's ending on like a weird cliffhanger. And then I I got to the end and it was like, okay, there's clearly another issue. <laughs> so I, I guess I've got that. Um, uh, biggest problem with the issue, I say problem, I use that term lightly, is uh, there's like no JSA, and that's pretty disappointing. Given you know where we're set, we're in that time period. We, we were dealing with them last issue. Kind oh, of after, all of that stuff from you and Matt. Why don't you hop back in for a three-issue GSA book? No, it did feel like it was going to be that, especially last issue where we were doing a full JSA little little mission. And then this issue completely takes that part, and it, it dwells on uh, this idea that, that Carter is uh, he's afraid of death now for the first time. Uh, it was something we established uh, last issue. We froze in the fight, uh, if, if you recall. Um, and Shira has to kind of talk him out of it. Like, Look, you know, you got to get over this. Uh, and the half-set dagger has been stolen from the safe. Um, so they kind of do some voodoo with the uh, with his mace that is also made from the same nth metal as the dagger, so they're kind of connected. And uh, they find out that it's uh, Anton Hasta, who is somehow alive, even though they, they thought they killed him, uh, who, you know, is the, the consciousness, you know, he's, a, he's the body for half-set's consciousness. So oh, well, maybe he's feigned death, and they're like, "Well, we need to go and stop him." Clearly, uh, so you know, they they go to him, and he's on a, a train traveling towards them, and they get they get in, and everyone's kind of just seemingly asleep on the train. They're like, "This is a bit weird," and you know, and uh, you know, he comes out and he's like, "Yeah, all these people that they're not really asleep." You know, I, I I've been dealing with Anubis, who's like you know the, the god of death and all that. Um, and then they all get up, and it's basically he's got his own little zombie army. Um, and we have like four or five pages of them fighting all these zombies on the train, and it's uh, it's fantastic. Basarin absolutely nails it. Uh, great little action sequence. Um, but ultimately, it boils down to Carter versus uh, you know, Anton here. Um, and there's this you know this fear throughout the whole fight where. He just he can't deal with it. He he can't deal with maybe this this is it and you know this is his last life and he's for the first time in you know millennia he's he's scared to die and he, he just completely loses it. Um, you know, and have to say he's kind of capitalizing on this and uh, it basically boils down. You know, have to say he's cut him three or four times, good couple of slashes, you know, across the face, the side, um, and it boils down to. To Carter, kind of finally accepting what's happening, he's like, "No, you know, you, you might hurt me, but you're not going to hurt her." And he's like, "Yo, I'm not afraid." And and the final page is, is him kind of doing the thing where they pull the knife into them, uh, you know, to stop resisting, uh, and lets himself get stabbed pretty healthily through the midsection. Uh, and that's the 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 final page of the issue is kind of this shock moment of, you know, him being stabbed. You know, is this the, is this the final moment? Is this how he he dies and it kind of has some weight when it's the final going into the final issue of the book um it's obviously not going to be the end of hawkman whatever they do he'll either be alive or they'll restore the reincarnation somehow whatever they do obviously they're not killing hawkman but it has some weight here at the end of the book uh that's it's really interesting i uh i do wish we'd had a little bit more time to build up this this fear uh, of him and and then this acceptance it feels a little bit rushed here at the end I suspect that was probably just because Vindy got told he has like three issues to wrap it up um, instead of whatever he had planned. 
because uh, we do we do know he did have more fun. Um, but everything that is here is great. I just wish it was spread out a little bit more. Uh, art's really you know just top quality. Saren's been killing it on this book for you know a year, however long it's been that he's been on it. Uh, and I've very little, if if anything, to complain about in the art department. Uh, and overall, I'm going to give it an eight point five. Uh, it, it was close to the nine in terms of everything it does, but it's just the fact that it's a little bit, a little bit too much rushed into the issue that that holds it back. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so I'll take me on a Batman and the Outsiders issue seventeen. Brian Hill writing with Marcio Takara on the art, uh, notably final issue of of the book. And I think what's interesting is that this is kind of an epilogue, but it also seems to leave off a lot of characters in places where they're maybe going to pop up next somewhere not necessarily in their own books but like you know it definitely leaves Cass you know in Gotham it, it leaves so- Sophia goes with Shiva at the end of this she kind of takes the path that she wants to go down the the more lethal revenge route <laughs> than what Batman's willing to offer it's a quiet issue where they're at a farmhouse Bruce has bought her a farm basically because she, she likes horses uh, and he's trying to, and I do kind of like that you know back from the very first issue this whole thing's been kind of about Sophia in a way where even the, the very final issue is kind of about trying to get her to sort of, you know, make her whatever choice she's going to make. And it's not that Bruce is determined for her to become a Bat family member. He's kind of happy for her to also just, you know, live on a farm if she wants for the rest of her days and just sort of stay out of the whole, you know, superhero slash villain game. But uh, Shiva is talking to her. And it's interesting because Shiva, of course, has been trying to do this with Cass and Duke all series like she's been trying to like persuade them you know her own daughter and duke into following her footsteps and going down her path and there's kind of almost a like a an acceptance from her in this issue that it's not going to work they're just they're just who they are already and it's not going to change and she's tried her best but sophia she can kind of take on as a surrogate daughter she can kind of mold her because she's more willing to have that revenge she's still having nightmares about her, her father's death the whole thing's working but uh, you have Black Lightning and uh, and Katana. They they are you know getting closer. They kind of go off together. She goes off to master her new sword power that she got back in the annual, which is like she's she's got a flaming sword basically now. Uh, <laughs> delightful. So that's why those little things that might pop up, like when we're reading like an event, or maybe she shows up in like Detective Comics or something at some point. Like if she pulls out a flaming sword, and you're like, wait the hell, why does she have a flaming sword? I'm like, well, that was that was a Batman the Outsider Did- thing. Uh, did this replace her other sword, or is it just a, like an upgrade? I think it's. I'll be. Honest, I can't remember specifically, but I think it was a. Obviously, her sword has yeah, history. I think it was a, an addition. It's the same sword, but now it's got this additional quality to it. Okay, I'd have to go back and look at the annual again to be sure, but I, I think that was the, the gist that I remember. Uh, so you know, it's yeah, it's this Bruce kind of with his alternate Bat family in the sense that it's the outsiders rather than, you know, the usual faces. You know, they have dinner. They're trying to be nice to each other. And uh, Some of the key points here that I really liked was Jefferson noting that he's not like Bruce and that he can't pretend that he's okay with things. Because Bruce does a really good job of, like, smiling at the dinner table and being Bruce Wayne. Uh, and we know it's a facade because we know who he really is. But Jefferson can't even pretend. He's like, no, like my life has been changed. Raz al Ghul, the fight changed me. You know, people I cared about have died. He just can't, like, just, you know, put on a brave face and pretend that, like, the world hasn't changed. So, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he bonds, and there's a great page here, actually, where you can tell Takara was having fun uh, with the art here, 
Uh, and as much as obviously I do prefer soy, Takara is by no means a, a slouch. And there's a page here where he's kind of just pondering on the porch, and and Katana is like, "Hey, you know what are you thinking about?" And there's this page where he's, he's thinking about possible futures, about where he fits in now that he's kind of like a proper superhero, and he's you know what his power levels are. So there's a split three panels, and there's one where he's fighting with John Stewart. So you've got this, you know, he's down at the bottom with the green lightning, or sorry, the blue lightning. John's up top with the green light. And it's this great contrast. And then the, the second panel is him and Wonder Woman fighting something and the gold lasso, so it's this gold strip down the middle. Then the third panel is this the Superman panel where it's Superman up top, he's down below. And it's it's this kind of like, he's basically imagining them and, you know, side by side with various Justice League members. This idea that this is the world that he's entering into. He's not just a school teacher anymore. He can't go back to just that normal life. He doesn't know how he feels about that. He doesn't know if he wants that. He has no idea what he wants to do. Uh, and this is where she kind of says, I'm going on this journey to try and master this uh, this new fire power that I've got. <laughs> and suggests that he comes with and they can grow together. Uh, the standout of the, the issue, though, is probably a scene where Bruce comes to talk to Cass. Because one of the things that was brought up throughout this 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 run is that Shiva keeps saying to Cass, you're not a real Bat family member. He doesn't give you a bat to put on your on your suit because he doesn't care about you the same way he does Babs. You're not a Robin you're this separate thing. And Bruce comes to speak to her and makes it very clear that, you know, it's not because he doesn't trust her, it's not because he doesn't see her as part of that. Um, it's it's more that he actually recognizes that she's a lot more like him than any of they are, and that she has to kind of make her own choice to become what she's becoming, rather than him just sort of giving her a, a conduit. Um, so I actually love how this sort of ties into what we just had in the Joker War special, because... There's something really special about him saying, no, I'm not going to force my logo, my symbol, onto you, and then her choosing it anyway. There's, there's something kind of powerful and uh, beautiful about that. Uh, and they hug at the end. You know, she gets off the... She's, she's on the bed reading the book, and she like, jumps off and hugs him. It's just a really sweet moment. It's kind of what you want. I, I, you know, I love when team books have these quieter issues, and you know, I love them sprinkled throughout the, the, the runs, but certainly here's an ending. It's a really nice kind of like wrap-up of like what the character journeys have been for them all in this, you know, relatively short tight it, run it kind of feels like this is why it's an odd number to end on because usually mm. you'd end on yeah 16 or 18 yeah it, it feels like it was probably going to be 16 issues and he asked for one more to get this epilogue right yeah well it was going to be 12 and he get he got five more so i don't know if he asked for I, five it, or I, I think it was um it was you know you can have one more arc and they were going to reconsider again at the end of that arc if you can have another mm. one so it was probably a four issue arc, and then it's like, you know, like, all right, you have one more to do your epilogue after that. Mm. Uh, Shiva does knock out Bruce with some spiked tea at the end, uh, basically just so that Sophia can sneak out when he's not conscious. And she basically makes it clear that she's made a choice, she's going with her, and, you know, you're just going to have to accept, you know, whatever she's going to become, but like, you're going to have to accept it, and maybe you'll be happy with what she becomes. Uh, but Sophia, when she was talking to Shiva earlier on, did kind of like sound like, yeah, she wants to like keep fighting back, but she doesn't think that Bruce's way, you know, of sending people to Arkham and like having them get back out is is really worth her time. She wants something more permanent. Uh, so I think what I like about Sophia as a character is that they've kind of set her up as not she's not like going down this villainous path. She's she's not like Red Hood where she's this angry character who just wants to kill everything and has to be calmed down. It's more of a a quiet sort of more considered thing where she's like. I want to fight back and make a difference, but I, I, you know, she's she's thought about it and does genuinely think that she's going to have to like be more lethal to actually achieve anything. 
So I think it's a bit more of a nuanced approach to a character like this that isn't just, oh, angry at the world. I want to kill everything, you know, kind of. Oh, sure, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that in the in the right context. Although Red Hood is often not the right context. So let me just make that very clear. Um, but no, that's the end. It ends with a, a really moody panel of Bruce just sitting in the shadow in, in the farmhouse, uh, just kind of feeling like he's failed a little bit because Sophia's made this choice. So it does kind of feel like it's very intentionally left all these characters in different places, uh, either emotionally or even in some cases literally physically going off on a journey to do something. Not that I think we're going to see these journeys especially, but I do think that someone may pick up the idea that, hey, maybe Black Lightning and Katana being close is something that will be relevant again. So maybe they'll reference that they've been on this journey together in a future book somewhere, whenever it's relevant. So, uh, you know, uh, I think this has been a really fun little uh, run. 17 issues is, you know, obviously I always hope for more when it comes to these things, but I really enjoy a run. Uh, but it's been a really nice companion book that's focused on these, these uh, you know, smaller characters. I mean, Bruce has been there, but it's it's not really been about him for the most part. So, uh, this, this last issue was great. Uh, I would happily give it an 8.5. I, I think uh, it's maybe one of the better issues of the whole book because I, I think, you know, some of, all of it's been enjoyable, but there's definitely some issues in the middle where it's like, okay, so it's, this is the action issue in between some plot setup and whatever. And whatever. I think this, because it, it's taking everything that it's done and kind of sort of saying, okay, this was the point of all this. this. Was the point of like Sophia's journey. This was the point of like, you know, like her trying to tempt Cass. I mean, she Shiva trying to like tempt Cass and Duke, and ultimately them not going that way. But her finding someone in Sophia feels like it's really been the main backbone of the story in terms of what's been going on the whole time. Even though we've been dealing with all this big stuff with Raz and you know saving the the world as we always are because it's a superhero comic. But uh, no, solid. Uh, so eight point five on uh, the final issue of that, so sorry to see it go, but hey, we t- have tons of stuff in January apparently, so I need to make room for some. Yeah, I uh, made a little schedule uh, during one of your books, I'll uh, I'll show you at the end. Oh dear, okay. Well, Rorschach, issue one, right at the Black Label books. Tom King writing Jorge Fornes on the art, in fact, hell, we're on the Tom King section, I suppose, if you want to <laughs> call it that. It is this week, yeah. Yeah, we got a little little back-to-back Tom King, and we'll start with the new book that's an interesting one, for various reasons, we have we have this Rorschach book. We have like so. What's the plot? This is this Rorschach himself, and with the exception of obviously kind of a, a an interesting twist at the end of this or a reveal at the end of this. Much like other things, much like Doomsday Clock, much like to an extent the TV show, even though it didn't really have a central Rorschach to do this with. Yeah, so someone in a Rorschach mask. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're actually starting with this is the Rorschach from Watchmen. This is not Water Kovacs, you know back again somehow some way this is something else and then there's a couple of things in this book that seem to indicate that it's actually taking place in the same world as a tv show it is and tom king has confirmed that he's confirmed that uh which is in, which you know what's interesting about that is that it still takes place in the world of the the comic because the the tv show was a direct sequel to the comic book so it still takes place in this form of continuity with the original comic book it does, but what it means is it's not in continuity with Doomsday Clock. No, that is true. And that may be for the best, because I don't know how you... No, I have no that. idea. Um, um, but I mean, it was a, it was a decision that, that King obviously decided to make. Um, and th- I think there's only really like one or two brief mentions of the TV show, really, uh, in this. Well, yeah, I mean, there's two key things. They mentioned that after what happened in Oklahoma, and that Oklahoma's where a lot of the show was set, and the idea that Robert Redford is a president, 
uh, is a song that's mentioned in the background a lot in the show. So it's more yeah. just little things like that. I, I don't. I mean, I assume you had no problem reading this, despite not having. Oh, you have seen the show actually. What am I talking I about? I have seen the show now. Uh, you saw you saw it later, but yeah. I did. I watched it. I don't know. Start this year, maybe. Didn't love it, but we've been over that. It's a separate debate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Connor's weird. Um, but I, I don't think if you haven't seen the show that any of this like those two little like, contextual references to the show i don't think would matter to you if you don't you know. no not at all um and i'm not holding you know uh, anything to do with the show against this or vice no. versa i think if you hadn't watched the show those just play like contextual history of oh this is what's changed between you know yeah. the way, and now the way to look at this just like the show and just like doomsday clock is that it's just another standalone sequel to watchmen and this is like Tom King's exact, you know, interpretation of where this story goes some at some point. Which, in its own right, is something I had a, a bit of a problem with. I mean, I've spoken about this before. I'm kind of bored of Watchmen sequels, mm-hmm. and going into this, I was like, okay, I'm I'm kind of over this, and it, you know, it had to actively, you know, it it has an uphill fight to win me over going into this issue. It was kind of my mindset. Does the uh, fact rather that it... rather than coming in at all, oh, it's an exciting new Tom King book. I'm kind of like, right, okay, why do I need well, a Rorschach book? Does the fact that it's an exceptionally crafted and wonderful book change your mind at all? No, because I think it's just okay. I think uh, I think oh, it's God. <laughs> This is uh, on the on the lower end of the Tom King scale for me. It's not anything wrong. It's not like it's not. I don't think it's a bad issue uh, by any means. But it doesn't grab me. I don't think it's like fantastic uh, or anything I, like that. I tell you what I love about this. I love that it feels so different because I, I was a little concerned. Even though I love, you know, I love Mister Miracle and I'm loving, uh, you know, Strange Avenger. I, I keep almost saying Adam Strange when I say that book. Uh, but I was a little concerned of having two of those types of Tom King books at the same time. I was a little worried that it was going to be like, am I going to feel like there's an overload of that particular? Because I think Strange Adventures and Mister Miracle definitely feel like they're both of the same style of Tom King. They both feel like they're, you know, of a similar. Uh, you know, tone, feel, atmosphere, even though they're doing different stories. They're, they're deconstructions of certain human elements yeah. of, you know, the human psyche. So when I got a couple of pages into this and realized we were doing gritty detective mystery, you know, like, stuff, I was, I think Matt on Twitter, I don't know how much of his books he read, but he read this because he was talking about how this felt kind of like a Brubaker Phillips book almost, in some ways. Um I see that. You know, we start with this, uh, like, we see a Rorschach you know, whoever he is, running towards someone on a, like, a, it's like a catwalk above, like, a theatre. And he's getting shot. He gets shot repeatedly in the chest and then once in the face. And then there's a two-page spread showing kind of where they are, and it's him, and there's another woman also in a costume of some kind uh, above, you know, which looks like a presidential rally. Uh, you know, you got all the balloons, and clearly there was some sort of an assassination attempt by someone. Uh, maybe these characters specifically. Um... And that, the rest of the book obviously does sort of say that, but uh, you know, I'm just saying based on this page, we're looking at it going. Yeah, there's, there's an implication that they've just yeah. been stopped. Yeah, uh, and we're interested. Now, the only, the, honestly, the only complaint I have about this issue, I think, right, and the art is wonderful, the art is phenomenal, is that the choice of the hairstyle on the main detective made me think this wasn't present day. It made me think it was like the A's. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Look at his hair. He looks like he's like this guy. No, looks like he's it is. I don't think the jacket helps either. Yeah, it's the brown jacket with that hair. Because uh, because later on they talk about uh, things being online, and obviously they mentioned the, the TV show. And I was starting to, I was, I was actually trying to think of the TV show, and I was like, wait, so something already happened in Oklahoma, but this is set before the show. 
And then afterwards, they mentioned, like, you know, they do stuff online. I'm like, wait, online? Oh, it's not in the 80s then. Okay. I guess, I guess this dude's uh, yeah, here just I, I threw me. I think it's just more that's evocative of the tone they're going for. Yeah, it is. They're definitely going for the, the 70s gritty political thriller kind of st- style. So, you know, it's, it's a minor thing. Once I realized that, it wasn't a, an issue at all. And if anything, I kind of appreciate that they've gone for such a look, despite the fact that it's not set then. But it did make me, it did confuse me a little bit at first, because I thought it was a period piece. <laughs> I I never did, but I wonder if that's just because I knew, I'd, I'd seen before I read it, uh, you know, mm. King confirming it was set after the show. So I wonder if, just because I knew that, there was never any, you know, Yeah, see, I didn't, my brain never yeah. questioned it. Uh, I think I'd heard it was maybe related to the show, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't see any confirmation around like that. And even then, I didn't know it was set after. I, I thought it could be set before, you know, set during. Sure, whatever. yeah, no. and no, I get where you're coming from. There's no reason for you to jump to that if you don't know. Yeah, uh, but no, this was like a sort of very kind of like going through the beats of the of the investigation. It's him talking to security guards, checking the bodies. The Rorschach is like eighty something years old. You know, they're they're trying to get an ID on him. Uh, the, the the girl's like 19 and she's this radical who teamed up with them. Like, we're getting all these details, the colouring shifting. I love whenever it goes to the flashbacks and they're talking, because the, you're in this like autopsy room, it's this cold, you know, clinical room, everything's blue and white. And then you go to the, the flashbacks when they're sort of theorising what happened and why she already has a bullet wound and everything's orange and red and and all the rest of it. Yeah, that's uh, Dave Stewart on the colours, who is mm. like, in, in my upper tier of colorists working uh right now he is spectacular and, and i think he he pairs very nicely with uh with Fornes's uh style yeah uh and uh, yeah then looking through the evidence they've got like all the the costumes laid out on the table and they're talking about this mysterious tape there was a tape on them that was like it's it's so old that they have to like find out like a device to play it without damaging it and, and all the rest of it and they're talking about like how the mask, you know, it's, there's nothing unique about the mask. It's like a Rorschach mask you can buy from any store because in this world, obviously, people have been making Rorschach masks, you know, for a long time. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, even just knowing from the TV show, there's literally an entire right, group of people who e- wear them. Even if that wasn't a thing in the TV yeah. show, it wouldn't surprise me because I'm like, yeah, of course they do. Yeah. So, now I like all this. And he, you know, he goes and questions the surviving security guard who's, who's basically on his deathbed. He's dying <laughs> in the hospital. But he tells this story about how they, they tried to like go in and you know apprehend them and uh i love the sequence in this where they're all sort of it keeps doing this side view of them going up to the door and then like the the the, the guard gets his hand caught in the door and he tries to fire the gun but when he pulls his hand out he's like oh shit where's your gun and then you just get all these bullets running through. i think the fact that he keeps returning to that same profile shot of the hall really gives it this mm-hmm. sense of space that continues throughout, so it feels really stark when you get the exact same sort of angle and panel uh, on the next couple of pages where the bullets are all coming through the door. And likewise, the colouring here is so good because this is a white wall. It's one of those, you know, these like white, uh, like brick painted walls, and it's all white. But whenever the gun fires, the background, you know, suddenly tints orange, uh, and the gunfire it's itself is yeah. yeah yellow, and you got all the blams, you know, on the panel. Uh, and it also makes the blood stand out, you know, after all the gunshots happen and he's on his own and the other guards are dead. You just, like, again, it's this very white and cold and blue hallway, but there's just these splatters of red on the floor. Yeah. The, the art is uh, wonderful. I don't have much bad to say about the art. Uh, I, I mean, even, I mean, going back to Fauna's, even on Tom King's you know, Batman run, where it was in the point where I wasn't enjoying it, you know, he would often have, uh, Fauna's kind of became a kind of regular at the back end of that run. Uh always looked stunning 
Yeah, and this is then we get to the full page where Rorschach, this Rorschach walks out and just sort of says, hmm, as he looks down at the guard. Yeah. Uh, and do you know, you know the sort of vibe I get from the art uh, with, with Fawn is an Stewart's colours as well, in particular? Yeah, very like year one, uh, like Batman year one sort of vibe. Yeah, it's it. kind of got that sort of vibe. I can see that. Um, you know, so he hears this tape and it's, it's all speaking in code, but it mentions a lot of names. So they're looking into all these names and they're trying to figure out. And one of them is really interesting because, again, tying into the comic book from Watchmen, but there's this other comic book. That's this guy, this old guy. It turns out he was a comic book artist, you know, in his, his younger years. Uh, he made this pirate comic. Not the pirate comic from Watchmen, not the, the no. flying... P- Pontius anyway. Pirate is is possibly my favorite pun in, in, in this whole <laughs> issue. But no, yeah, so they look into this Pontius Pirate comic and they've looked at his apartment and they're hearing these recordings. I, I love the uh, the the close-up panels of the, the tape recorder playing the tape. Because you know, it's, the, it's the old spools of tape, you know, the big ones. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I don't remember the, the show well enough to, to think what the technology was like in that, but like, this guy's still using a pager and a payphone, um, mm-hmm. which, again, probably doesn't help you with separating the time period uh, as easily as, you, as you'd think. There's also, like, a blimp at one point. <laughs> And this guy, yeah. Although I'm not sure if that's a real blimp or just like a sort of big inflatable thing for uh, promotion reasons. Because like... uh, I think it's that, yeah, because it is tied down. Yeah, um... it's, t- it's tied down. It's, it says "Vote Red" for the top. Um, it's worth mentioning the presidential candidate that was almost assassinated was the Republican candidate. So one of the things from the show, and this is maybe the one thing that does help me from the show, is the idea that a lot of the characters in the show who were not liberal really hated everything that reagan or not reagan sorry i'm going to a real actor president uh, everything that redford had done uh for people they weren't a fan yeah. of his uh, policies um so no uh, wonderful stuff uh i thought uh so yeah they're looking into who these characters are they've got a bit more details by the end and they're looking into it um but the big thing at the end though is this this reveal uh where it talks about how you know, there's very little record of the real Rorschach because the, the prison that he put in burned down. But he's been told over the phone that, hey, like, there was a, like a collector of, like, you know, cape stuff who, like, paid off a guard to, like, get his fingerprints. So there actually is fingerprints, like, of the original Rorschach out there. And somehow, the set on the body match the body they've got. So... This is obviously a big hook at the end of the first issue. This is your big hook to say, okay, what's going on? And my, my honestly, my instinct is that it's not him. I, I, I don't think they're going to undo the Rorschach dead. And, unless they go down some sort of path where Manhattan didn't kill him, they just sort of teleport that him to the future. That would be extremely ballsy as, that, a, as a move to go down. That would be ballsy. I, I would think that these prints have somehow, like, they've made, like, you know, copies to, like, graft onto people's fingers or something like that. The idea being that they can kind of, like... It's not, it's not that implausible. No, I, I, I'm leaning towards something like that, uh, but it's a really good hook at the end, though, where, the, you know, it's like, because you, you're seeing these, like, you know, recreated panels of, Co, you know, Kovacs getting his, uh, his line-up shot done, um, his mug shot, and it's just, like, the eyes of the detective at the end. I, I thought this was incredibly moody. I love these 70s, like, thriller vibes of it. The art is gorgeous. Uh, I like the mystery. I like the going through, you know, this look at the evidence, let's look at the bodies, who are the suspects. Uh, I, I thought this was a breeze to read. I flew through it. And... Oh, oh no! I thought it was uh, at, at, at points. I, I was felt like, oh, I'm making so much progress. I'm getting through it, and then at other points, I feel like it stopped dead with tons and tons of dialogue. I mean, look at that final page. That might be the wordiest final page I've ever seen. 
No, it is. Like, especially as a final page, it's extreme. I don't think having lots of words, though, inherently means that it doesn't flow quickly, bizarrely. Uh, I, I get where you come from. For me, though, it, it does in some extent where I feel like at points where there's like almost no dialogue or caption boxes to read where I'm getting through it, I'm getting through it, I'm getting through it, and then I get to like a page like this where it feels like a wall of text where I feel I feel it slow down and I have to take it, you know, much slower. And I don't think that's necessarily the intention. I think for me, like I, I, I always kind of correlate to how things function, like and and the comparison to like a movie or something like that, or or maybe a TV show is a better comparison with comics. But like I can hear like all of this conversation playing out on a montage as we're seeing all these images that are on this last page because there's a lot of panels here, it's a lot of panels of different things. Yeah, it's like. Um, 12, 15 panels, whatever it is. And it recreates the idea of like a, a sort of gritty 70s thriller of like a character on the phone like dropping this bombshell on him as we're seeing this montage of all these moments. I can, I can, it gives me this feeling and a vibe and it's, it's something that can like absolutely backfire and you know, comics in lesser hands I think do end up feeling really just like wordy and drag on and are a chore to read. I think this, uh, and you know, stuff that I've, I've not read much from Brubaker but the examples I have read um, and then, you know, and obviously something that you disagree with me on is Bendis, but I think you can have wordy sometimes that works really well. It always still feels like it's flowing. I feel like I get like a vibe from it because of the way it's, it is told. Uh, so I thought this flowed really well for me. I, I was kind of all into this. Yeah, I didn't love it. I don't, I don't hate it. I don't think it's terrible. Um, maybe part of this is me just kind of not wanting slash needing more Watchmen material right now. Maybe if, if this was in three or four years' time, I'd have a completely different opinion on it. Uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be feeling a bit fresher. And uh, for the people watching the video version, I did not intentionally try to make that look like I was doing the Superman open for my Screams After Midnight shirt. It was just kind of... I, I happened to be wearing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what are you giving it, though? What are you giving Rorschach? Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a... I'm debating how generous I want to be thanks to the art. I think I'll give it a 6.5 for the art, otherwise it might have been a 6. 9 out of 10. I loved it. I loved it. Matt, please come back, because I think you're going to have a better opinion on this. Please, Matt. Um, no, I'm glad that, you know, people enjoy it. It's, it's, it's not like... You know, there are some things where where I read it and I go, I don't understand why people like this. I kind of I, I kind of get this, but I'm I'm just not feeling it. Um, so you know, enjoy it. Are you reading this shit too? I don't know is the honest answer. Um, and then you know, looking ahead at that that schedule I made, you know, when it comes out in the, <laughs> uh, well, you know, in it's got two more issues to win you over before that busy week one it is and it is admittedly on the quietest week of the month but it's still like not a light week of content to read uh so i, I don't know uh honestly uh, let's see see how i feel when issue two drops all right all right uh i loved it but hey ho so strange adventures issue six tom king with mitch garrods and doc shaner uh obviously this is the the, the known quantity because we're halfway through this now and <laughs> Where to begin with this one? This is uh once again split into two. You've got the the, the main present day story and you've got the the war story. And I, I kept having to remind myself that the, the story that we get from the war was is the kind of the curated one because 
I kind of felt like it was revealing more stuff as it was going that we didn't know. Um, that, you know, maybe it wasn't going like down the darkest path that it can do, because there's clearly more to learn and more that, you know, Terrific's hinting at. Because Terrific, the main plot of this is that Terrific and Alana are meeting up to talk about stuff. Yeah, that's and, the the bulk of the issue, probably about 70%. Yeah, and then, but anyway, we get because that, that second page, which is a two-page spread of just uh, Alana and Adam, like, you know, looking out at the, the horizon on, on Ran is just beautiful. It's gorgeous stuff. Oh, it's fantastic. And they're basically gearing up for the, the fight, right? This is kind of them getting into the war. They try to make peace briefly with the pick, but it doesn't work, so it becomes this fight. I, I actually love the, the callback later, because there's a moment here where they kind of count down 3, 2, 1 as they're shooting the, uh, the picked. And then later on, when Alana's with Terrific and they're throwing, she throws a snowball at the uh, the bell, she says three, two, one, and it kind of was this indication to me that she's still in a war, you know, maybe not in quite the same way, but she's still thinking like that. Yeah, but this this was such a fascinating issue in terms of what Alana may or may not know after all. Yeah, this was the thing because I think we always assumed that she was, if anything, the one who was more knowledgeable about stuff, and she was keeping things from Adam. But at the end of this issue, it kind of suggests that maybe Adam's keeping something from her. Um, yeah, all all the stuff in the snow, the art from Gerards is wonderful. Uh, you've got Alana and Terrific talking about various things. Uh, they go and get a drink, then they go to uh, you know, they go they go with the bell and they talk about stuff. Um, Terrific, you know, brings up the uh, the poem, uh, you know, no man is an island. Uh, yeah, which Alana very, you know, harshly kind of says, "Nah, everyone's an island," and it's again, it's this very cynical view, uh, of of, of life essentially <laughs> that she's maybe going to have to learn to get over it some way i imagine uh by the end of this but maybe one of the more important conversations is them kind of becoming more honest about what happened to each of their kids because you know terrific also lost a child uh, it wasn't born yet you know the talks about how his pregnant wife was in a, in a car crash and you know i actually really like this moment from him like where he says he feels guilty but not because he like wasn't there, or because he he you know that didn't he maybe he suggested to you know go for a drive or whatever. But more that deep down he he's not even sure if he was maybe because he didn't want the kid in the first place. Like that was something he already knew he felt. So he doesn't know if he's a little relieved that he doesn't actually have to be a father when he didn't want to be, and he feels guilty for that kind of like even just having that in his head for a moment is something yeah. that he feels guilt over. Uh, and rightfully so. It's a really complex and, co- complex set of emotions, understandably. And it, it's been a, a thing driving him for this whole book. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to that first major issue of his. Yeah. Uh, so, and Alana kind of just sort of says, oh, it's simple, the picked are merciless, and doesn't go into more detail until he shares more, and then she goes into it and talks about how Adam came back kind of different, um, and he, he was sort of held for days, and he never talks about what they did to him, like how bad it was, how much they tortured him, or whatever, which does you know, and, and whenever we cut to the Rand stuff, it's always this glory of battle, like him and Alana, like I you mean, know, fighting. Even uh, you talked about that that two page spread at the start mm. of them, you know, looking over the over the city. We have it repeated again, almost here towards the end, mm. where it's you know the, the same thing. They're sat looking over the view, and you know they go, "Oh, Adam," you know, but it's over the war this time. Uh, you know, you know, all, all the, the the big robot sort of ships are all there, and there's destruction and fire and it's you know definitely romanticizing you know this this horrific act yeah uh, which is again part of the story that we have to remember 
Absolutely. I, I think the reason why I was saying that it felt like they were, you know, doing more stuff is there's a, there's a moment at the end of the the war story uh, in this issue where he it chooses to like, or they they get knocked down and this is when he gets taken. So I, presumably this is what she was talking about when he does get you know taken because they they're both knocked out at the end of the issue and he's dragged away. That's kind of the cliffhanger. Although I actually think the cliffhanger in the present day stuff is more effective because uh, where she's left standing in the cold, literally standing in the cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, both that, li- that's a great moment. Both literally and figuratively, where Terrific's, you know, questioning things, and she's telling, and she's, she's finally getting into more detail about how, you know, he he went out with Alana, and he came back, and he informed her of what happened to the daughter, and Terrific just kind of says, "Well, did you bury the body?" And she's like, "There was no body. We just had a monument made for." Her. He's like, "Hmm," <laughs> like. So you and, and and then and he goes, oh, I guess I do believe you, because uh, that was a you know yeah. part of the earlier conversation. And um, so it's this idea where he's essentially implying that you never saw a body, right? Maybe you should talk to Adam about what really happened, and that's the moment where you know, like she's standing out there. He's you know he says you should go. It's cold out there, and she's just standing there, and it's almost like this is the first time she's ever even considered the idea that he might have lied in some fashion about and, what happened, and if he did. Which, let's go under the assumption that he did. Uh, it means okay, she's not dead. Is it, is she alive? Did she side with the pigs? Like, yeah, what exactly happened? Did, did, did they he, just kidnap her? Did he offer her for peace? Like, was she like a, a bargaining chip? Yeah, yeah. Did they make him do something to her? Like after the torture? Like, we just don't know. Yeah. Well, the torture was a separate. No, I know, time. but I, I mean, yeah. maybe they tortured him then as well. Sure. Uh, yeah. For all I know. Uh, but it does. It does make wonder though. Like, like Terrific's talk about his guilt and how he felt guilty about how he never really wanted a kid. Like, I do wonder if that's something where he he recognizes something in Adam, something similar. Like, did Adam? Like, the books, you know, the, the the story of the war that's coming from the the, the memoir is presenting him as this loving father who, and they both love their daughter, and she's the light of the world. But in reality, is it different? Did he not want a daughter? Was it more strained a relationship? Uh, does he recognize something in that? And that's and that's just assuming that it's even similar to terrific. Maybe it's going to be completely different. But it's just the idea that he recognizes that Strange has a more conflicted sense of guilt or something that's different than just oh the daughter died tragically and they couldn't prevent it and that's it. It's that simple. Yeah, it's uh. It's so interesting, yeah. you know, like the layers of this. Because, like I say, you know, for issues now, we've been assuming Alana's like you know behind it all, being the manipulative wife. And um, I mean, I think the the book has intentionally led us down that path. I think we were making those assumptions out of nowhere. But this here kind of is like, well, maybe not. Maybe I mean, she's definitely still manipulated in some regards and got a plan, you know. But when it comes to this big key element. Yeah, maybe, maybe she really does know nothing. That point I made about the snowball and her saying the same thing she did when she was shooting the pick, I think that maybe shows why she is so manipulative. It's to her, she's still fighting a war. Everything's strategizing. Everything is putting yeah, pieces we, in place we, and, and all that stuff. But we it maybe about last issue when she was on the, on the balcony. Yes. Yes. And then maybe that's kind of similar to her looking out at the planet, you know, on, you know, in this issue. But mm-hmm. I wonder if, like... The point here is that, okay, she has her own problems because she's not really left that mindset and she's not really accepted that she's at peace <laughs> or she should be at peace. Um, But maybe this idea that this memoir that's all glossied up and hides the truth is not just hiding it from the public, it's also hiding it from her. 
Like maybe she doesn't. Maybe maybe to her it's not actually that far fetched. Most of this. Maybe okay, it's glossing over. It's maybe making some of the more visceral battle stuff a bit lighter, and she knows that was a bit more dark or serious or, or whatever. Mm. But the idea being that the the most serious thing that's the lie, the lie about the daughter, is something that she actually also. Is in and in the dark. It is being lied to about. Yeah, so that's fascinating. I've had hell. That panel of her standing in the snow, that full page spread, might even be my favorite page of the whole book so far, just because of the impact that it has at this point. It, it's up there, and and you know with that conversation with you know out by the bell, you know, showing how I don't even want to say ruthless she is, but how self aware she is of her own abilities. You know, she talks about how you know. Uh, her dad says she's the the third part, the third smartest person on Ran. You know, he, he's first, Adam's the second, and then she's third. And she's like, I, I, don't, I don't think that. I think you know, you know, she she tells you know when you when you lap people, you can look behind, but just be that far ahead. Uh, and, and this idea that she she obviously thinks that you no, know, she is orders of magnitude smarter than both of them uh, is kind of scary and almost villainous, right? With the way you know she kind of thinks of it like that. Or maybe it's even the idea that this is foreshadowing the idea that she thinks she's smarter than both of them. But if Adam's been lying to her this whole time, then is she that smart? <laughs> like, you know, is she smarter than him? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's maybe kind of foreshadowing that a little bit in that scene too. Um, so no. Because, um, you know, she said, she's really cynical. She says, in the end, we're all islands, you know, going back to the poem. Uh, and no one asks who the bell is tolling for. No one even hears it ring. Is a really, really disconnected and jaded very, thing to say. <laughs> she's been completely defeated by by the war and everything else. Uh, maybe, maybe even her daughter was the the breaking point. Yeah, I mean, again, if this book is, you know, in a, a lot of the ways, the last book was about anxiety and about depression and all those things. This book is more about how the war has affected this pair of people, this couple. Um, both of whom, in this case, fought in the war, and both of whom are dealing with a partner who have thought, fought in the war. So, yeah. it's, it's dealing with a lot of these aftershocks. A, a really strong link with the the parenthood uh, mm-hmm. as well. Oh, obviously, sure, it was yeah. a huge part of Mister Miracle, and this is in a very different way. This is dealing with the loss of of a child, whereas that was you know dealing with the birth of a child. Uh, but and yeah, because uh, Mister Miracle, the the birth of the child was kind of the, the 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 big hopeful thing in that book. That was the thing. That was the light that kind of like sort of gave him strength to kind of ultimately come through and yeah. uh you know th- that was like a uh, something that bonded them and made them stronger and here it's maybe the potential that it, that that can also be the thing that breaks people apart if if it goes down that path like it maybe does here yeah makes sense uh so yeah yeah no so uh, surprise surprise uh strange adventures was was fantastic again uh obviously they are gorgeous um uh, going back to the, I, I talk about this this coloring change a lot, but uh, if you uh, I talked about that first two page spread where they're looking out at the planet, it's a lot more blue. The same the time at the end when it's the war, it's a lot of red because there's explosions everywhere. Really simple, yeah. but it's effective. Um, uh, also, was that dinosaur in the first one? I don't remember. Uh, I don't think so. I think that that's more because the first one they're looking out over the sea, uh, and the second one is the, the yes. war field. I, I'll be honest, the dinosaur just blends in with the colouring so much that I don't think I noticed it was a like a dinosaur-looking thing until now. <laughs> I, I thought it was yeah, just like yeah. part of the I mountains. Mean, it's, it's, you know, it's just... Because obviously we've seen like a lot of lizard creatures yes. uh, in, in this book already, so I guess it's just one of those. Yeah. 
A lot of the battle stuff is very much... It's very visceral in the sense that it feels like they're at the brink of defeat, but they ultimately seems like they're going to win in the end uh, before he's kidnapped. But it definitely feels like someone who would be writing the story to like try and make it feel like they're almost going to lose until that last it's, second it, when they're going to win. It is very much a war movie. Yes. And again, you know, it's this romanticized ideal, like, you know, storytelling version of it where, okay, you know, it's got to get dark before they win. Uh, that's, you know, your, your act two, so to speak. And this is following that same structure. And that's kind of the point. So there you go. What are you giving Strange Adventures issue six? Uh, that's a nine. I will also give it a nine. So there we go. That is that. Uh, that'll take us out of the part of the show we pick our favourite stuff of the week favourite panel slash moment favourite cover uh, favourite art and of course top 5 books uh, which I think we both comfortably have enough to do that with this week uh, there'll be no short list sure, yeah. uh, so we'll start off with panel slash moment uh, the week and since there's only two of us you just get to go first for all of them so on you go mm, fine <laughs> uh, well I'm, I'm taking a, it's, it's cold out there uh, that, that full page uh, from Strange Adventures I mean, I have no problem just taking that. However, I'm not going to. I think for the sake of variety, I am going to take the Superboy Prime Punch. That was another, <laughs> was another good option that I thought you might pick, which is kind of why I left it. Um, yeah. There's, there's enough good moments this week that I don't think either of us had to really stretch to find different ones. Yeah, I'm not uh, too bothered with picking that, to be honest, uh, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, so we'll go with that. Uh, and then favourite cover of the week, which is always... Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to have Tricky. a look at some of them. Um, I like the Wonder Woman variant, uh, as I always do, you know, the, the Middleton, uh, unsurprisingly. I quite like some of the Rorschach variants. Uh, I'm not sure who's doing which one. I like this kind of, uh, kind of like the, the brown background with like the, you know, the hieroglyphs that are on it. He's kind of stood there. I think that, that might be the Carrie Andrews one, actually. Sure, yeah, there's a black uh, and white version of that as well. Oh yeah, okay, I see that. Uh, I do really like that. And then the the, the main Hawkman cover is uh, really solid. Uh, I really like the Rorschach one where he's punching the beefy dude in the face. Punching the... There's like a shadow oh, behind is that, him. Is that with the kind of the Watchmen writing down the side? Yeah, yeah, one? it's one of those ones, yeah. Uh, that one's really pretty, I think. Oh, yeah. that is good, yeah. Um... I'm I'm gonna go with the, the Carrie Andrews uh, Rorschach, I think ultimately, but yeah, good, good choice of covers. Yeah, I think I'm tempted to see that Rorschach cover, but I think I'm actually gonna have to go with the Shainer Strange Adventures cover and just be kind of boring. But it's just yeah, yeah, especially perfect. For anyone not sure, that's the one where they're alive. Yes, <laughs> I mean, if that's everybody <laughs> differentiate, then yes. I, I mean, I think it's a pretty clear signifier in this particular uh, set of covers. Okay, okay. Uh, then, best art of the week. And you, oh, this is a tough choice this week, so good luck with Oh, this. it is, actually. Um, because, you know, you've got Faunas on, on Rorschach, who does, does a great job with Stuart. You've got, um, you've got, you've got Gerrits and, and Shayna uh, on Strange Adventures. I, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed Pissarin on Hawkman. And then also, of course, you know, Capullo on, on Death Knell. Uh, there's nothing to sniff at. I think I'm ultimately going to go with Strange Adventures. Um, but, I mean, they're all pretty solid choices this week. This is uh, this is something else, because it says something that a really solid Ivan Reese issue and a really solid Masio Takara issue are both not even in the running. 
Which yeah. is t- telling you how I feel about uh, these other ones that have already been mentioned, which is obviously Rorschach, Strange Adventures, and uh, Death Metal. Death Metal, I think, is definitely number three for me, but picking I... between Tom King, of course, who has blackmail material on every artist in DC Comics because he seems to always get the best ones. I, I, I suspect that the artists are lining up to work with him because they know how well his books sell and they want that royalty money. That's entirely possible. They also get to draw some really interesting stuff, I think, as well. Um, I think the artisan in both is like you know bordering perfect. I think I'm going to go with Rorschach, maybe just because it's different. Because we've, I've already had five issues of Strange Adventures, and Rorschach's the new kind of Batman Year One looking sort of moody, different style, different feeling. Uh, but it's 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 so close. It's so damn close. So don't read into that too much. Uh, all right, top five books of the week. On you go. Oh God. Uh. I wasn't prepared uh, for some reason. I think Strange Adventures is uh, number one for sure with uh, Death Metal. Not too far behind it. And then Hawkman. Then Wonder Woman. And then... Uh, uh, I guess Rorschach is, is kind of that. It's, it's that and kind of Flash at the, the bottom of the, the rung for me. But I think Rorschach, the art, I'll, I'll, it kind of bumps it above Flash overall. I had three nine out of tens. <laughs> so yeah, I only gave out one. You, you, you should be generous this week. It was a good week. I had a lot of good books. I had three nine out of ten, so I'm trying to decide what more order my nine out of tens are. <laughs> okay, going then. That's tough. This is this is wild, but I think I'm going Rorschach at number one. Controversial. Death Metal at number two, and then Strange Adventures at number three, and that is wild. Like I can't believe Strange Adventures. Any other time, any other like I think every other week we've had a Strange Adventures, it's probably been number one for me. And it's not that this issue was any less great because it is still just, just as good. Had competition, uh, but that means it was a really good week of reading comics. Uh, after that, though, I would definitely put Wonder Woman at number four, and then five is kind of a toss up between Batman: The Outsiders and Superman. But I will. I will probably lean towards Outsiders mainly because of all the touching stuff with Cass and uh, Black Lightning stuff which is really good Final issue sympathy inclusion as well you're not going to include it on a top 5 again so. <laughs> sure okay yes I guess one last hurrah <laughs> Ben has got a couple of chances uh, but uh, that is not so there you go that's our top books of the week so I will tell you what's coming next week from uh, Detective Comics Comics yeah it's not too bad we have Batman 101, uh, so get your textbooks ready. Class starts at uh, 9 a.m. Don't be late. That's a quality, Terrible. Keep going. That's a quality joke. So Batman 101, Nightwing 75, which is oversized. I'm just looking at the price. Uh, you got Justice League 55, Aquaman 64, Teen Titans 46, Catwoman 26, Dark Knight's Death Metal Robin King, which Connor is going to read because the patron is making him do it. Which is delightful. Uh, we also have Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn Issue 1. Metal Men 11's out next week, apparently. Uh, and also Scooby-Doo Where Are You 106, if that's your jam. Uh, so... Yeah, it's... I think we've only got five or six issues, and I think only one of them's oversized. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I'll probably do one of my Patreon books next week, I think. Uh, just one yeah. of them, I think. I did, I did one last week, right? I don't, re- I don't really remember. It was a whole week ago. It was a long time. Um, I feel like I did a Red Hood last week, but I'm not confident in that. 
Yeah, but was that for this month or last month though? Oh, the last month was yeah, this month. Yeah, I think you did. I think you did a resident last week. Go back and double check though. Make sure you're not screwing anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will do. Yeah, uh, um, you know, they won't let me forget. They won't. No, David will hunt you down. Yeah, to the end and of the I, earth. I'm not sure when Undiscovered Country is out. I need to figure out when that is this month. Like, I kind of just, kind of just, oh, it, it's here. <laughs> you know. Yes. Because if it's not, you have to switch back to uh, Severed, I believe. Yeah, I think it is still due this month. Yes. Uh, if you want to hear me and Carr talk about a new Marvel TV show, we reviewed the first episode of Hellstrom uh, yesterday, so you can check out that in the MailFuzz TV YouTube channel if you want. Um, but uh, otherwise, uh, yes, I will thank our patrons at the time of recording. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bored Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are all our $20 or more patrons on patreon.com slash TV. And you can support us at that tier if you want the credit and the, the shout out that you get here. And of course, at the $30 tier, you can make me your corner read a book. But uh, you can support us over there for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses. At the $5 tier, you get a day early access to comments from the multiverse. And we were asked this week about uh, previously popping back up. Um, I can tell you that it will not be back in October. I am far too busy in October with other recording commitments to even attempt <laughs> recording a previously. Bl- blame screams. Uh, blame screams and a couple of other TV shows, but um, uh, we will have another episode of previously for sure in November. So look out for it. Um, but uh, go over there and you get some stuff uh, and tell people the content coming. But if you can't do that, if you can't afford to to contribute over a Patreon with monies, that's okay. Do not feel bad. You can support us in other ways. You can hit the like button on YouTube, which does help it a bunch, especially with YouTube recommending us out to more people. Uh, as does commenting, dinging the bell for notifications. If you listen to the audio feed, of course, uh, if you're on iTunes or wherever else, give us a, a five-star rating and a review. Those things all do help us out a lot. So please do uh, help and every way you can support the show. Uh, otherwise, uh, like I said at the start, go over to at Matt of Steel 57 on Twitter and uh, give him some encouragement and love and support and uh, maybe compare him to a bear. He likes that. Uh, you can also <laughs> get us on Twitter as a whole at DC Comics Podcast for updates and uh, asking questions and stuff of that nature. Um, otherwise, there's anything else that I would like to tell you about? I don't think there is, but I'm just stalling for a second while my brain processes the possibilities. No. So, thank you very much <laughs> once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember, never get lost. Never get lost. Never to get lost in the Speed Force.